This podcast is brought to you by JList.com. Well, it has been 2018 for a while now, and so JList.com is offering their 2018 anime calendars for only $1. The only catch is, is that you don't know which calendar you'll get, but still, it's only $1. So head over to JList.com right now, and you can get in on the action a little late, but still have fun with an anime calendar for the 2018 year. Again, for only $1, and that's at JList.com. And now, it's time to start the podcast. And Neil, the cat mascot, has jumped on the table and he's like, well, you know what? I don't care about your mics or your laptops or really anything, really. I'm just going to... He just walks right in front of the cat. No respect. I've also been fighting with my cat this entire, like, session. He's now on the table and he he wants my laptop because it's warm. Go ahead and lie down. Lie down. I'm just trying to get in my lap and I keep pushing him away. I'm like, Well, now there's a cat head in the screen. That's actually perfect. Just stay just like that, Neil. Just stay just like that. <laughs> Amazing. So good. Well done, Neil. Such a good cat. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 416th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. My name is Kazuo, and today I am joined by two of my very best buddies in the whole wide world. Rocking out to my left on the invisible keyboard is Mitsuki. Mitsuki, what's up? What is up? I'm jamming. Oh, yeah. That's right. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the groove. Feeling here, good. Here's the question. You know how to play piano. I so do. Are you actually playing the right keys right now? I can pretty much tell whether the t- whether I should be going up or down on the keyboard. Okay. But I don't have perfect pitch or anything, and even with perfect pitch, I don't think I could really do that. But yeah, I'm having fun though. Whatever. You know who does have perfect pitch? Yeah. Is our neighbor in Ohio, Mandy. Mandy, what's up? I I have perfect pitch. No. I just <laughs> oh, I just needed shame. to transition. She she can tell the exact <laughs> diameter of a of an anime boy buttocks by the, a mere mm, glance. It's true. Oh, dude. Okay, look. So that space battleship tiramisu, I feel like somebody made that oh, specifically boy. for me. There are so many butts in it. It's perfect. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> you know where else you can find butts? <laughs> On today's episode of the anime. No, wait, that's not right. Okay, I'm sorry. My transitions suck, guys. I haven't had enough alcohol yet. Um, so on today's episode of the podcast, uh, we are going to be reviewing a show, uh, Ancient Magus Bride. That's right. We're also going to be talking uh, about a, a pretty somber topic, which yep. is uh, we recently lost uh, a, a an icon in the industry. Uh, that is uh, Takahara. So we're going to be going over some of his most notable works and just discussing his, his long career in the anime industry. Yep. Um, of course... You can find us anytime on our website, uh, aapodcast.com. Go to aapodcast.com slash join to sign up for uh, all of our additional content that we have available for you. Um, of course, you can get our hentai episodes, hobby addicts, after parties, all that good stuff for just a couple bucks a month. Um, also, Mitsugi, I know you've been working diligently yeah. on on uh, new methods of payment on yeah, the website. We'll, How's yeah, that going? We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, awesome. We got that to build in. I, I want to say it now, though, Yes. real quick, that... 
if you want to play Does Mitsugi's Mom Know, there is a DMMK chat in the Discord. Yes. And you will just sit there in the chat and wait for us and I will, to come for and you. And I will come get you. I will drag you in. I will summon you. So you, someone need, we need a brave warrior to snap the two-game losing streak on Does Mitsugi's Mom Know. So yes. please. Let's Please. play. Help us. Help, help us. Help, help us, us. Help you. Help us give you things. <laughs> yes, we want to. Yes. We want to give it to you all night long. That's right. Please help us. Of course, okay. you can also go to our Facebook, which is <laughs> facebook.com slash groups slash AA podcast. From there, you can hang out and chat in the Facebook uh, realm, or you can get access to our Discord, which is in the about section on that page. Of course, it is facebook.com slash groups slash AA podcast. That's where you want to go. Not the other Facebook page. Don't go there. Don't go there and then message me saying, hey, I don't see the link to the Discord because I'm going to slap you through the computer wow. with my mind. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm telling That's you. Intense. This is where you want to go. That's it. How do, how, do I, how do I find the Discord? I will find oh. you. I will find <laughs> I will find you and I will kill you. And I will kill you. Mm. All, right. all right. But uh, with all that said, let's get on to the show. It's time for big news of the week. This whole episode is about Isao Takahata. Yes. Because it's almost like losing Osamu Tezuka. It's that bad. So yeah. Osamu, uh, Isao Takahata passed away on April 5th, uh, which was, what was it, like Tuesday? So, or maybe that was Friday. I don't remember. But Ghibli president, co-founder, and co-founder issued statements on Takahata's passing this week. President uh, Kiyofumi Nakajima and, of course, the co-founder and producer Toshio Suzuki, they issued statements regarding, you know, detail, more details. Nakajima said that Takahata died of lung cancer at 1.19 a.m. on Thursday, there we go, at at Teikyo University Hospital. Nakajima added that the wake and funeral service for Takahata will only be for close relatives, which I think makes sense. And but Ghibli will hold a public farewell gathering for Takahata on May fifteenth, which I wish to God I could, I could go there. Um, with uh, there will be more details later, but I think it's it's really nice that they're letting like the general public celebrate him. So I think I'm gonna be, I feel like I'm gonna be misty this whole podcast. Um, Suzuki noted that Takahata had a lot of things he wanted to do still, and so they're all really like they're all very, very regrettable that he won't be able to finish all the things that he wanted to finish. And Suzuki also added that he consulted with, with uh, Hayao Miyazaki, close friend of Takahata, and decided that they would do the farewell gathering. So it's sort of like everyone's on board. And I hope it's, I don't know, I hope they at least have like an article we can read about it or pictures or something. So we can just, I don't know, celebrate from a distance. So the life of a person that was, uh, you know, so influential to anime, just, I don't know, I mean, we're, get, we're gonna get into that so much more later, but we do have a caller for Dismitsuki's mom know, though, waiting, by the way. So, oh, awesome. we're gonna work your magic. So, yeah, it's really sad. Um, when I heard, when I heard about it on Thursday, I spent pretty much the whole morning, like, like, teary-eyed, I would say, you know? So, there were, like, there was, like, that moment where I had to, like, wipe my face off a couple times. It was, it was, um, even worse than losing, uh, uh, Robin Williams, I would say, for me at least. So when I think about all of like the movies that Takahata's done, and everything he's done for anime, and you know all the, all the all the things that he's accomplished, and all and just I don't know, it was just a lot to handle. So and 
And Takahata, unlike unlike Miyazaki, who we always think is like this grumpy old man, Takahata was actually like not like that. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just really sad. So, do you guys have anything to add about that? No, I mean uh, I think I didn't. Oh, go ahead. Oh so, no, it's okay. I was just gonna say I didn't know until just now that he actually died of lung cancer. I was gonna, I was hoping that would come up because I didn't see what. Uh, I didn't even know he had it. Yeah, so I didn't either. I mean, honestly, it's Miyazaki that's always smoking. So, I mean, but, yeah. I, but maybe Takahata also smokes. Yeah, I mean, also like 82 years old, you know, that's... Yeah. I feel like that's that's a that's a good, you know, t- amount of time on this earth. And so, you know, it's 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 still, of course, unfortunate. You know, you want these people to be able to live forever, but it's, it's you know, uncontrollable. We have to do a Futurama and put his brain in a, like, yeah, robot. In a jar. <laughs> yeah, so he can continue to, to direct and stuff forever. Yeah. I don't know. So, but, um... Shall we uh, shall we move on to happier, more exciting subjects? Let's move along. I see you have a little note here. I do? Oh, yes, I do have a note. So we have been doing some work on the website, and I want you guys to know that in an effort to allow more people to participate in, in, our, in our additional content, we've been working hard to get more payment methods on the website. So we have incorporated Stripe, and the reason why I say that is because Stripe protects your data very carefully, so it, uh, it isn't like giving a, put, entering your payment information on our website gives you gives us any information about you whatsoever because it does not. Um, but we now accept Venmo, credit cards, Apple Pay, and Google Wallet, which pretty in addition to PayPal. So that pretty much covers every possible payment method that you could use on the internet. So if you go to the website now, when you sign up, if you select when before you sign up on the website, it'll ask you if you want to use credit cards or PayPal, or and if, when you select PayPal, it will give you the option for Venmo, and if you're on a mobile device, it will also give you the option for Apple Pay or Google Wallet. Dang. So we all high tech and whatnot. Well, it's Stripe. It was, um, you know, <laughs> we, we we have a very helpful um, web web. I'll call him the web guy to help us out with this because I would never have got it working. But again, if you if you're a person who wanted to sign up for additional content, but you didn't want to, but you did not have PayPal or you did not feel comfortable using it. You now have credit cards, Venmo, Google, Google Pay, or Google Wallet, and Apple Pay. So you can use all of those. Awesome. And we're also going to be reviving Patreon, which will ultimately just ask you for the same thing anyway. Yeah. So, and to, and but we're just we're trying to give you more options yeah. and and that kind of thing. There so. are people still lingering on Patreon. I have n- I don't know why, but <laughs> uh, but but they're on there. Shh, don't tell them. They must have forgotten. All right. So um, <laughs> and I'll and I'll probably mention this a couple more times since it was a pretty substantial addition to the website. All right. So next segment. All right, so the first thing we've got on here is Violet Evergarden uh, anime confirms a completely new project is greenlit. The official Twitter account for Violet Evergarden anime confirmed on Thursday that a new work has been greenlit. The announcement lists the project as a completely new work for the anime. So we've got something new. I haven't finished Violet Evergarden yet. Is it even? I have. Did you? I heard it. Yes, I I finished it. it. Spoiler, I loved it. Yeah. So I, I heard it it, uh, it ended well. So that'll be cool. I, I've only seen the first few episodes of it, and it seemed really interesting and um, beautiful. Beautiful. Gorgeous. It had me worried about a couple of things, but you know we'll have to see once I watch the whole thing if it um, if it kind of fell into certain mm-hmm. traps or not. Uh, also, we've got the TV anime Overlord gets a third season for the summer of 2018. So 
I remember when that. I remember so long ago when that first season first. It's yeah, like three years out. ago now. I know. Seems time like, is going by too fast. Seems like only yesterday. But uh, the official website of the of uh, the anime Overlord uh, revealed that the series would be receiving a third season. The season or the series is scheduled to premiere summer of 2018 uh, under the title <laughs> Overlord Three. People love that show apparently. Yeah. I wonder how many books it's up to now. I have I was gonna no look that clue. Up. I can't read. I had a real tough time with that anime <laughs> for a couple reasons. One, because of the just like the gratuitous fan service in the first season was like girls throwing their girls throwing themselves on their hands and knees and like pledging to be his like there's his, his servants and slaves or whatever. And yeah, the fact that he looks so utterly ridiculous. So I don't know. Like a guy with a skeleton head is not really my speed. Yeah, it's kind of silly. But I don't, people I mean, love it though. Yeah. So that's why. That's I mean, there's there's something for everybody, you know. That's right. If yeah. you want to watch a, if you want to watch an anime character whose head looks like a skeleton, that's yeah. You're that's it's up. You, you now have. Dude, that. I've played some of those characters. I've played Undead. <laughs> I mean, if you also want to watch an anime where a character's head looks like a skeleton, you can watch Ancient Magus Bride. And if you want to play a game where you should win but won't because Mitsugi cheats, yes. you can play it as yeah. Mitsugi's mom. No, accurate. That is facts. There you go. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. All right, well, that was, <laughs> those are the only uh, hot new anime releases that we've got, so I guess we okay. should uh, probably move on here. Uh, let's see, so we are going to take our news our news break. Before we do that, we have our trivia. That's right. So on the website, of course, you can go to aapodcast.com, scroll on down, there's a trivia every week, something different, you look at a picture, try to figure out which show it's from, and the answer for this week was Mononoke. Would you like me, yeah. to, read, would you like me to read the correct answers? Sure. Actually, why don't we let Mandy read them? Oh, all right. You want to read all the? Okay, there's a lot of them. Alrighty, how about it? Wish me luck. Uretha Explorer, Ichigo Fields, Lady Grey Brush, or Bush. Sorry, I messed that up. Lady Grey Bush, Chibi Rob, Golden Jedi, Link. Uh, is that Kiwi? Suey? Sure. Kiwi. Let's go. Uh, with Icy that. Rose, Fisting Her North Star, Cherry Face, Manly Mudkip, Ermagerd. Uh, it's Derpy Murphy. Karate failure and dick chocolate. Yeah. And the winner for this week is Chippy Rob. Hey! Yay, Rob! Good job, Rob! Because the names are getting more and more offensive. It's am- I love... They are, I right? love <laughs> that that uh, my appreciation of ridiculous and offensive names has caused so many people to go above and beyond. I also <laughs> discovered that we have somebody who submits a who submits a, an answer every week under a different offensive name, and it's the same email address. That's awesome. So I, you know it? who you are. <laughs> that is fantastic. And now I know who you are. Thank you I, so much. And I'm I, I, like, you. I, like the, I feel like we have a new one here, Urethra Explorer. Yeah, and there's a reason why mm-hmm. that's there. Oh, fantastic. All right, so in addition to the website trivia, we have an in-show weekly trivia question that we'll that's answer right. after the news break. This one says, life isn't easy for Anne Shirley, an 11-year-old orphan with a vast imagination and a short temper. In a twist of fate, she gets taken into the Cuthbert house in Avonlea. The elderly occupants, Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert, were looking for a young boy to help in the fields, but they're in for quite a shock when they realize Anne is a girl. Name that anime. All right, and when we come back, we'll have that and uh, so much more, so stay tuned. Hey everybody, this is Mitsugi, and it's time for your anime news. 
Getting us started off this week, the sumo wrestling world continues to come under fire over gender controversies. This time, gender discrimination has flared up in the form of two women who were urged to stay out of the sumo ring as they tried to assist an official who was unconscious. In the sumo world, it has been a long-maintained tradition that the sumo ring is sacred and that women cannot enter the ring, which has gone back many hundreds of years. However, their apology has been issued by the Sumo Association chairman, Hakaku, who says that, quote, the referee was upset and made an announcement, but it was an inappropriate response because the situation could have been life-threatening, and we extend a deep apology. The situation he refers to is the mayor, Ryozo Tatami, who is 60 years old, who was giving a speech in the ring and collapsed due to an illness. So, for those of you that follow the sumo wrestling world, more problems are coming. Next, a fan poll is done that asks anime fans what their favorite anime character Archer is from all anime. And the rankings are in. 43 characters are on the poll. And the top five are Uryu Ishida from Bleach, Kikyo from Inuyasha, Kagome Higurashi from Inuyasha, Archer, otherwise Amia from Fate Stay Night, which I thought would probably win, and running away with the poll overwhelmingly is Ashitaka from Princess Mononoke. Finally, a good call by fans of the anime community, Ashitaka definitely being a total badass. Next up, Neontic is organizing a Pokemon Go Earth Day cleanup event, so your favorite Pokemon Go hunting areas are going to get cleaner thanks to this quote-unquote Earth Day event, so participating trainers are going to get rewards for their efforts. If 1,500 attendees show up, the game will unlock two times catch for Stardust and Grass Water Ground-type Pokemon for 20 for 48 hours, and there are other bonuses as well. So Neontic and Pokemon Go are doing their part as well to help clean up the environment, which is always nice. And lastly, Anime News Network readers have made a poll citing what their most anticipated spring 2018 anime series is. The top five being Sword Art Online, Alternative Gun Gale Online, number four, Golden Kamui, number three, Full Metal Panic, Invisible Victory, number two, Steins Gate Zero, and of course, to no one's shock, number one, My Hero Academia Season 3. I would also note that Persona 5 was number six on the list. This was Mitsugi, and this was your anime news break. Now, it's time to get back to the podcast. After parties, hobby addicts hunt episodes. After parties, hobby addicts hunt episodes. After parties, hobby addicts hunt episodes. What in the world are you two doing? I'm trying to sleep here. It's midnight. We're using Mandy's arcane power to do a content prayer dance. Yeah, we're hoping the content gods bless us with thrilling entertainment for the fans. Content prayer dance. You know, there's a much easier way to make better content. How about starting with studying our vast archive of additional content on aapodcast.com? Oh, I already have. I mean, it's only seven bucks a month for almost eight additional episodes every month. That's less than a dollar per extra episode and super easy to get to. Just got to type aapodcast.com slash join to become a member. You went through the whole archive. It's hundreds of hours. Well, senpai, anything is possible. If you believe. I think I'll just leave you two alone. Hey, is he gone yet? Yeah, yeah. ready? Yeah. After the party's hobby, 
and kind of, uh, I don't know, just, just changed the way I, I kind of viewed the medium. And yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. was incredible. Mandy? Same. Like, I was looking through this list of stuff that he's worked on, and I'll admit that I have not seen all of these. There's a lot on here that I haven't seen. But uh, Grave of the Fireflies, gosh, I was... I'm trying to remember when I saw that. I was think I was a teenager, I think, when I saw that. And I just remember it being such a powerful movie. And it was unlike any other, like, animated films I had seen at the time. Because I think other ones I've seen before that one were, like, Princess Mononoke and, like, Ghost in the Shell. But that one, it just, it was such a powerful film at the time. And I remember just feeling awful after seeing it. And not like it was, like, because it was bad or anything. Just because... It affected me so like right. deeply, yeah. I but, uh, I know I I know I've seen Pom Poco, but it's been so long since I've seen. Oh it. come on! How can you forget the those Tanuki nuts? I know Tanuki. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's been so long, and I know I've seen like my neighbors, the Yamadas, and uh, yeah. But there's a lot on here that I haven't seen, unfortunately. My, but, yeah. What I will say is that I'm gonna I'm what what I'm gonna say is more like a plea to the listeners. Mm. Like, I know that we don't like going back and watching old things. I think it's pretty much known at this point that people don't like doing that. And I know that not, I know that we don't really have time in our busy lives to go back and, and watch things that aren't from, you know, the current seasons that we're all following. But I would say that the works of Isao Takahata are consistently if not masterpiece level are like, are like scratching that area and you're really going to be doing yourself a favor by just setting aside Tokyo ghoul for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Cause which is, I mean, it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm actually offended to mention Takahata and Tokyo ghoul in the same conversation. Um, you know, because like grave of the fireflies, if that movie had come out, if that movie had had a theater run in the United States, that thing would have won an Oscar for sure. I have no doubt about it. And if it didn't, it would just be more of a, the Oscars would just be more of a joke because of it. Only Yesterday is a masterpiece. My, my Neighbor the Amadas mm-hmm. is a damn good movie. I mean, really great. Pom Poco is unbelievably good. Um, uh, Takahata was responsible for Lupin the Third, the anime existing in part. Yes. I mean, which is another show that frustrates me that not enough people watch. Yeah. So, like, when I, when I, when I ask people, about Takahata and they don't even know who that is. And I'm just like, that really hurts me because, well, first of all, you're completely, you're completely missing out on the whole point of anime. I think there's, I mean, obviously there are different types of fans and people are into different things, but I, but there's a certain, um, distinction to be made between, you know, someone who, uh, the, the, being able to appreciate the deeper aspects of anime, which Takahata really Mm -hmm. delved into throughout his years. I mean, here's the thing, right? You can watch Tokyo Ghoul, and I that that's fine. I watched Tokyo Ghoul season one, but like, all right, Tokyo Ghoul, you're going to spend six to eight hours watching that. Right. You can watch three Takahata movies in the exact same time. So it's not, we're not asking for a lot here. We're asking you to celebrate the life of a man that actually allowed, in, that potentially allowed anime to exist the way it does today in some in some form, because this is sort of like, this is sort of like a celebration of a person that allowed an art form that you love to exist the way that it does. You know, if, if you take away talk, if you, if you take away Tezuka, Takahata, Miyazaki, and a few other key key players in the anime industry, do you is anime even what it is today? 
I no. don't I don't know the answer. Yeah. So like it's it's a celebration of of him. So like in honor of in honor of a great man, a legendary a legend, one of the fathers of of anime film. Just go pick up any any Takahata movie you haven't seen. Just one movie and give it a give it the hour and a half and to just celebrate a person. So that's that's my PSA. So jumping right into this, uh, Takahata was was um, a lot of this is going to make sense to you guys as, as as we go on. Takahata was actually caught in one of the air raid bombings in yeah. World War II. So he was born uh, October 29th, nineteen thirty five. Yeah. So during uh, during World War II, he would have been a, a young boy. Yeah, uh, very young. In Uji Yamada, Mie Prefecture, he grew up um, the youngest of seven siblings. And when he was nine years old, the United States bombed his hometown on June 29th, 1945. And he, there are, and a lot of this information comes out of an article from, from the, from the Japan Times titled Isao Takahata's Stark World of Reality by Masami Ito. So if you want to go back and find that article and read it, you can. It's really, really quite a good article. But the article recounts Takahata's thoughts during the air raid of a 10-year-old boy uh, fleeing his home in terror during uh, during the air raids, running away barefoot in his pajamas, if you can even imagine this, like picturing in your mind's eye, a little kid terrified running through the night in his pajamas with one of his sisters while incendiary bombs explode and light everything on fire. Um, you know, as he says that he he was, we were lucky to make it out alive, as he puts it. And... <clears throat> from the article continuing as they, as he made his way back to, to his family home, piles of dead bodies lined the streets. Um, and the rest of his family, meanwhile, survived because they had a bombing air raid shelter built in their garden. And Takahata was able to join them the following day when he returned to his house. And so these are like formative memories for Takahata. And the fact that he is such an anti-war advocate and has made all these anti-war movies and has dedicated his life to peace, basically. I'm sure that this night was the most important life night of his life and probably made him the man that he was because, you know, I mean, what could be possibly more formative than being just running through the night in terror as, like, everything around you? Like, if you were living that scene in Grave of the Fireflies where the whole city's burning and you're just this little 10-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. So from the article, he vividly remembers the moment when he was reunited with his mother... But as he puts it, it wasn't such a happy occasion because, you know, you would think it would be a happy, happy reuniting, but he showed such little emotion other than being really embarrassed um, for and feeling awkward about the whole situation. And it was this moment and this, this regret that he had in not being able to sort of behave like a child the way that, the way that he felt like child, children were supposed to behave that was the motivation and inspiration for him to for the character Heidi Girl of the Alps which is such which is a very important anime work that you know came out in 1974 and is mostly forgotten at this point but Heidi's carefree nature stems from the quote ideal image of what a child should be like and it was something that as he puts it he could never be in that moment with his mother and so like these are like powerful formative memories that allowed Takahata to be the person that he was. And so, like, there's one anime inspiration coming out of that night. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, oh, man, I can't imagine how he felt while directing Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, Takahata used his experiences during the air raid of the city, on, on the city, 
of Okayama in his 1988 film, Grave of the Fireflies, which shows bombs destroying the town where 14-year-old Seita and his four-year-old sister Setsuko live, and the firebombs make a loud hissing sound as they fall from the sky, and, of course, Grave of the Fireflies, you know, two, two children struggling to survive in the aftermath of having their entire, their lives destroyed in, you know, during World War II. And as he puts it, the tragic ending of the film is revealed to the audience at the start of the movie before they, before it kind of rewinds back to happier times. Um, and as, and then you, as a viewer get to watch as the two children situation gradually gets worse and worse. And of course the opening, if you've seen the movie, then you know that the opening of the movie is a scene where Seta is literally dying in a train station and his sister has already passed away. And the opening line of the movie is September 21st, 1945. That was the night I died. And as Takahata puts it in his quote, it's traumatizing for an audience to see the lives of two happy people deteriorate over time until they die tragically. If an audience knows at the beginning of the film that the two will eventually die, they are more prepared to watch the film in the first place. I try to lessen the audience's pain by revealing everything at the beginning. Mm. So now you know the inspiration for two of, of Takahata's most important works. Yeah. So, although Takahata does say that despite Grave of the Fireflies being about being being a movie that where that's largely wrapped around war. It is, it is not actually an anti-war film. Um, this, he says that, quote, just talking about the atrocities of war will not prevent another war from happening because there will always be people who will insist that Japan needs to strengthen its military so that it, can, so that it never suffers such, an, uh, such a defeat again. Nobody knows how, how horrifying a war is going to be at the beginning of the hostilities. Grave of the Fireflies isn't an anti-war film simply because it cannot prevent another war from happening. That's a really interesting sentiment that, like, you know, he, I mean, although I think many people would say that just because of its, it, it, the way that just be, the movie itself is an anti-war film, whether or not he wants to admit that it is or is not. I think the reasons that he gives for it not being one are a little defeatist to say like, this isn't going to change anything. You know, this, this isn't going to be able to stop people from, you know, killing each other. But, you know, even, even though he feels that way, the, the film itself is I mean that's that it is an anti-war film. It is a film that it feels kind of that shows, way to me. It kind of shows the horrors of, of what war can bring. It feels to, that way to me. Yeah. Also. So it is kind of it is kind of sad that even though he created something like this, he feels that it's not enough to change kind of the course of human nature. So yeah. I feel like every anime fan, no matter how old you are, no matter what your tastes are, should watch Grave of the Fireflies. 100%. If you haven't seen Grave of the Fireflies and you're an anime and, you, and you're an anime fan, then you don't know what you don't know what anime can be. I don't I don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. Like like I was um well it's it's I I think it's 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 like from what I was saying earlier about like there's different types of anime fans, there's different tastes and things like that, but you are severely limiting your potential for understanding and you're 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 narrowing your view if you don't also take into account what anime is capable of being. You're knowingly shutting off a large portion of what the medium has to offer you. That's yeah, that's I mean, Grab the Fireflies is about as pinnacle as a, of a film as you're ever going to see in any media, in anything. It could be live action or, or otherwise. You know, Grab the Fireflies is a, is a crushingly impacting movie, and I, I will always think it's the greatest anime ever made. 
I, I'm always going to think that. Yeah. So, I mean, but again, you can do whatever you want. If you only want to see, you know, the latest Tokyo um, Shonen shows that come out every season, yeah. that's fine. But just know that you are missing out on some of the most important aspects of what the art form has. You know, like you go, you go to high school and like they make you read all these books in, 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 in English class. And you're like, well, I don't want to read this crap. Right? Yeah, that was boring. Yeah, but like there's a reason why we're reading these books. Yeah. Like they are considered the literary greats, like the Scarlet Letter. No, 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 no 14 year old wants to read the Scarlet Letter. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm sure if we, read, if, we, if we went back and read those books today, we mm-hmm. might feel differently about them. Yeah, I think, I mean, a, a large part of it is, you know, the, where you are in your life and the maturity that you've reached and all that and being able to understand that things don't always have to be entertaining and fun. Like it, it, sometimes you can, there are there are deeper things in the world for you to understand, you know, so. I'm actually curious how many people have seen Grave of the Fireflies. So as we go through this discussion, I'm going to make a Twitter poll and I'm going to ask that question. How many, how many have you seen Grave of the Fireflies? What, okay. do, you, what do you think the result will be? With our fans, I think the majority have seen it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would say around, I'm going to say 75%. Okay. I, I think it's going to be a lot lower than that. I'm going to say, I love how this is so cut and dry. It's just yes or no. So I'm going to even capitalize them. <laughs> I'm going to say more like 35%. Wow. Have seen it? Uh, uh, yes. Right. We'll so we'll, 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 and, we'll, and we'll find out in a minute. So, Yeah. And, um, I mean, I already mentioned that Takahata was, is heavily opposed to war and has been an outspoken critic of Prime Minister Abe's desire to revive the Japanese military by abolishing Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution. So, and I mean, this is when, when Toshio Suzuki said that he had things that were unfinished in his life. We all know that it takes Takahata like 10 years to make a movie, right? Right. So... Yeah. I imagine he wasn't planning on making another movie because he'd be like 92, but he, I think, I feel like he had like messages of peace that he wanted to bring the world. And, you know, like it's, it's like you lost a, it's, it's almost like, um, like any activist dying, like any famous activist, like, Mm -hmm. like a Martin Luther King, like I'm sure Martin Luther King had so many things he wanted to, to do still that he wasn't able to do. And so, like, I feel like in that sense, I feel about Takahata the same way because I know that he probably had so many messages of peace to bring the world and he just ran, just ran out of time. Like, he didn't have the time to do all the things he wanted. Yeah. So, so, quotes from Takahata continue. The situation at present is, is extremely dangerous. And he's speaking about, like, the Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution and, you know, bringing back Japan's military. It's wonderful that we have been able to celebrate the 70th anniversary of World War II's end. However, it's important to ensure that things stay this way so we are able to celebrate the 100th anniversary. This is how how he puts it. Um, And of course, he's channeling his World War II experiences when he says all these things. And there were some interviews at Studio Ghibli in Tokyo's Kogane um, neighborhood where he said that if you want peace, prepare for war. But Takahata also says that he prefers the, the, the French poet Jacques uh, Prevert's 1953 version, if you, do, if you don't want war, repair peace. Just huh. kind of an interesting way to, like, twist it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, this was definitely a major part of his life and who he was and his, uh, his kind of focus was, was really wrapped around, um, I mean, just 
stopping war, which is unfortunately something that can never be done just because humans are who they are. But, you know, it's important to have people like this fighting the good fight and and putting this out there in, you know, in the zeitgeist. He's also one of the founding members of the Aegajin Kujo no Kai, or the Sinaists for Article 9, a group that seeks to protect Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution, I I presume by making films that, you know, renounce peace. And for those of you that don't know what Article 9 is, it's in the Japanese Constitution that says that, quote, the Japanese people forever will renounce war as a sovereign right of the nation and a threat or use of force as means of settling international disputes. So it's like basically saying you, you are unable, you are unallowed, you are not allowed to to do war as an activity as a country. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. kind of an incredible article to have in the country's constitution. You know, like how many countries have that in their con- now the reason why Japan has it in there is a little complicated. And I mean, do you want to get into that? It's kind of outside the scope of the topic, but like Yeah. But I mean Japan ranks up there with like the most horrible things ever done in human history. Right, right, right. Of course. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's it's interesting that that is built now into their constitution that they must not participate in war. And, you know, that a lot of people are trying to have that overturned. Which, of course, Takahata was so much against. Um, but it's, you know, it's, of course, complicated and there's so many levels to it. And, you know, it's it's important for countries to be able to defend themselves and to lend aid and blah, blah, blah. So it's 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 certainly very complicated. Um, I, I get it. Like, if you think about Japan as a country, like since, God, I don't know, like the, the, the year 800, Japan has been filled with ronin and samurai and there's been tons of feudal wars and... I mean, they've been having massive wars inside their own country for since oh, long yeah. before the United States was even a, 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 an imaginative an imaginative thought I in mean, someone's head. A, it, it, Japan's culture historically is largely a warrior culture. Yeah, you know, like so much of their history had was, you know, feudal Japan, and and um, you know, the, it's 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 largely based about around fighting for um, dominance. And in, in very violent ways. And when when new weapons became available and when the world opened up to them, they did some things that were pretty horrendous. They used the tools that were available to them, not unlike they had been doing for hundreds or thousands of years prior to that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very complicated culture and, and history. If you want if you want to I don't even know if I want to advertise that movie that discusses those those topics. There is a movie called Men Behind the Sun that's a pretty aggressive film that you should definitely be careful when you watch that because it may be something that you're not intending to watch that depicts some of the stuff that went down during World War II oh, with Japan. Yeah. So prepare yourself if you want to watch that movie. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, but also, there's a documentary. I want to mention it before I forget. There's a documentary that is absolutely incredible, and it's called Kingdoms, it's called Kingdoms of Dreams and Madness. We, we, we've mentioned this before. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've... Have you, seen, have you seen it, Mandy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the uh, Ghibli um, documentary. What? Where is this? How is do I get this? About? I think it's on Netflix. Kingdoms of Sega now? Uh, it's also on iTunes. The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. It, yeah. it gives you like two hours or even more than two hours of an inside look of Studio Ghibli, which it, in which Miyazaki and Takahata are basically the main characters. Dude, I am 100% watching this it's, tonight. I love documentaries, especially with like, you know, behind the scenes on... on 
um, cinema. Let me tell you right now that not only is it a great, not only is it great, but it's an amazing documentary and it gives you an inside look of a company that is so private. Like, you know, Studio Ghibli is, you know, this like, this like Titanic, uh, mysterious superpower studio in Japan, right. but like you don't get to look inside the studio, right? You know, like these people, they have the camera right next to Miyazaki talking yeah, with him. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting watching well, Miyazaki like work alongside the everybody else too. Yeah, and Takahata is in it a lot, a lot. Yeah. He probably gets thirty to forty minutes of screen time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a damn good documentary. So everybody should go watch that. For it sure. even goes to Miyazaki's house. Oh wow! Like, yeah. <laughs> You get to see him, like, taking care of his curtains and his plants and shit. And his, like, stuffed goats that he kept, like, outside of his house. <laughs> okay. And is this this is on Netflix? Did we... Is that legit? I thought it was, but I could yeah, be wrong. You can also rent it on iTunes. Okay. So, that's... So, we've covered, like, the the fundamental upbringing of, of Takahata. You know, it's not a very happy one, you know, but... I can understand why he feels the way I he mean, does about war. It 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 it's, it's so probably traumatized. It's so mind blowing to be like to to know that someone could have lived through and experienced that at such a young age and still become the person that he is today or was today. And yet you have people nowadays complaining about some of the things that they have to deal with that just seemingly are so I don't small. have five bars of cell phone service. Yeah, and it's like you don't even understand like being 9 years old barefoot in your pajamas running through the night as your town is being bombed and on fire and there's piles of bodies and everywhere dead bodies everywhere and you're a child yeah and it's you're like, probably traumatized forever and, I mean, and and to be able to go from that and and to be the icon that he that he became is 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 mind-blowing and you know seems just completely impossible but but, but you know what like sometimes it's those moments that make people great like you hear about athletes that like um, that have grudges or they have these like motivations or people don't believe in them. Like it takes something like that to yeah. drive a person. Right. And so like you've got Takahata who obviously is driven. I'm sure he, I'm sure it's even like a revenge issue. Like he, like he wants, he wants to prevent wars so badly that he's dedicating his life to prevent something that ruined his childhood. Yeah. And here, so you could probably say that it's because it's be, it's, it, he didn't, he's not great in spite of that. He's great because of it. I'm saying potentially he's great because he had an experience like that. Mm. You know, like people that were people that were in Hiroshima and survived the A bomb, the um, the 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 nuclear bombing of of Hiroshima. Those people are called are called Habakusha, and they basically there aren't very many of them left, and they basically go around and give speeches about what what it was like being in Hiroshima when the when the nuclear bomb dropped. Yeah, and Chiaki actually one? got to hear one of those speeches. Yeah, there's this one guy who lived through both bombings. What's his name? Jesus. Um, I'm trying to remember. But he, yeah, he was in Nagasaki and then he uh, w- survived the bombing there, then went to Hiroshima and survived that bombing. And I think he only, he died at like 93. I mean, that's yeah. insane. I mean, yeah. and those people, like they're, they're 90 years old and they're going to like colleges to give speeches on stage in front mm-hmm. of thousands just to share their, their the experiences that they went through in an attempt, I'm yeah. sure, to to modify the way that people think. Like you never know which one of those 1,000 Heights College kids is going to become the next prime minister, right. and may influence his decision to build bombs or bomb another country or something. Right. You know, and I'm sure that their hope is that like if I if I give this speech, 
even if it's just a half a percent chance that I will, that I will prevent something from happening, I'm going to, I'm going to do it and dedicate everything I have to it. And so like, that's kind of the way I think about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sorry. So that was his youth. Yeah, that was his youth. So me, Takahata first entered the world of animation in 1959, which would put him at 24. Uh, I think. Is that, hold on, wait, hold on. Joining what is now called Toei Animation, which we all know. Yeah, 24. After graduating from the University of Tokyo, where he majored in French literature, and he landed his first job as a lead director in 1963 with the TV series Ken the Wolf Boy, mm. which I've never heard of. Yeah, neither have I. We're going back too far now for me. Yeah, Ken the Wolf. <laughs> 1963 TV series. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, totally unfamiliar Probably with black and white. And it was a toy animation where Takahata met Hayao Miyazaki, whom he, whom he refers to over and over again as his lifelong friend. And, of course, they, they co-founded Studio Ghibli together. So, hmm. And uh, Miyazaki is five years younger than Takahata. Miyazaki joined Toei Animation in 1963, which was a little after Takahata did. So... must be amazing to have two such... It's no wonder Studio Ghibli became like a godlike studio when you have two directors that are two two animators that are just I mean it's it's like you know it's, it's like when a sports team has a has a player that's like the best in the league and then the second best player in the league is also there is yeah. also on the same team and yeah. they just destroy everybody right so it's no wonder that they're banging out um not Naushka, castle in the sky princess mononoke uh Spirited Away, Palm Poco, Kiki's Livery Service, My Neighbor Totoro, every single one of these movies in like, in like a 10-year span, and they are all insanely amazing films. They're all masterpieces. Right. And it's just like, I mean, the stars align, and boom. There you go. Studio Ghibli. So, um, and I guess, according to this article, Takahata and Mizaki met through their studio's labor union activities. <laughs> okay. Which is not very sexy, but I guess necessary. And the the pair began to work together on Heidi, Girl of the Alps, who we, which we already mentioned before, and Lupin the Third Part One. That's right. So, <laughs> Lupin. I mean, Lupin's manga might have existed, but would Lupin today be what it is without Takahata? No, because I mean, I don't know. No. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, and it's funny too. Like going, if you go back and watch like that original Lupin, man, that is old. <laughs> it is really old. Yeah. But it's like, good. I mean, it was on it was on Cartoon Network for a while. Yeah, true, true. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, I just started watching the new... I think... Or maybe it wasn't. Uh, yeah, the original, the I don't know. Was don't it part one so. or part two that was on Cartoon Network? I want to say it was part two. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the... I just started watching the new Lupin part five. Oh, it's, I bet it's amazing. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, dude. It is insane. And it's like movie quality. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's what they do. It's, it's inc- yeah. incredible. And there's like 11 people watching it. Yeah. Kick because it's not my it academia is, it or Steins Gate. It is so depressing to me. Like the amount of people watching the new Lupin season is, it's, it's just literally like if you go to my anime list, 7,000 members. That's an embarrassment. 7,000 mm-hmm. members. I'm embarrassed. Which is, I mean, abs- uh, it's absurd. It's literally. Do you think people are just like, uh, intimidated to jump in because you don't have Lupin to be though. It's so episodic. You just jump in whenever. They may not know that. Yeah, they might not know that. Yeah, I was wondering. But that's so sad. And that's a show that was on Cartoon Network for like five years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm depressed. Okay. Yeah. Um. So according to Takahata, quote, referring to talk to refer, referring to his relationship with Miyazaki, we became friends immediately. We talked about all manner of things, from what kind of animation we wanted to create to life in general. 
And once we began working together, we showed tremendous talent, or he showed tremendous talent, talking about Miyazaki. And then, of course, in 1985, which was the year I was born, of course. Oh, snap. Uh, they founded Studio Jubilee together, which um, were, I mean, we all know, we all, I'm, I'm sure we all know the Studio Ghibli films, but like uh -huh. the amount of success and the amount of amazing films of that studio, it may not be the most active studio in the world every, anymore, but like that studio is, I mean, it's just like, you know, you know, you, you think Makoto Shinkai is good? Makoto Shinkai ain't shit. <laughs> Dude, what, first off, 100% agree with you. I mean, he ain't shit. He yeah. is, he, he, he's, I would say Shinkai is not even at Satoshi Kone level. No, he's got pretty backgrounds. He does. He, but that's about it. He tells that's the same it. exact story every movie. You know, it's like Shinkai, come back after 45 week. Come back 45 more years from yeah. now when you, you know, get a Lifetime Achievement Award and, and shape anime itself. Yeah. No, my dude. I mean, I appreciate what he does, but <laughs> it's, we're talking completely different levels. And for, for a man that's 80 years old to finish a movie like, like The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which yeah. have you seen that? Uh, no, uh -huh. I mean that movie. Oh, holy shit, Mandy. I mean this dude. So you're looking at, yeah, it looks like a, like a water painting, it's a, like it's, the entire movie. It's godly. So you're talking 85 is when they founded studio Ghibli. As That's you know, right. uh, Nausicaa came out in 84. That was pre Ghibli officially, yeah. although yeah, it was officially. pretty much Ghibli. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's all over the Ghibli museum. So I'm pretty sure that. Ghibli yeah. Is yeah. Although Ghibli. it technically wasn't Ghibli, but it was, it was, you know, Miyazaki and, wow. Takahata and everybody. And then, you know, so 84 Nausicaa, 86 Castle in the Sky, um, Amazing. 88 Grave of the Fireflies, oh. 89 Kiki's Deliver Service, Amazing. you know, 91 Only Yesterday, 94 Pompo, like, it's just hit, 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 hit. Oh, every That's single one of Takahata's movies, are, he doesn't have a bad movie. No. They're all good. Yeah. Like, some people will watch, like, Ponyo and say, yeah, Ponyo wasn't a great movie. So yeah. Miyazaki maybe has some movies that aren't, like, amazing. Yeah. But, but Takahata, every movie he's made is incredible. Yeah. Every, he made a lot less of them. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, every movie he made is insane. Yeah. Most recent movie would have been The Red Turtle, which I did not see. What did he do I on The Red Turtle? Uh, it says here that he produced, oh, produced it. it. Okay, yeah. So if you're looking for something that he directed, the last one would have been uh, Princess, Princess Kaguya. Kaguya. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was nominated for an Oscar. Of course, it didn't win because oh, yeah. because only because only uh, Pixar movies won Oscars. But uh, so Red Turtle was also nominated for an Oscar and it didn't win either right. because, well, because only time. Pixar wins Oscars. Because yep. it's need to watch that. bullshit. So going back to the poll, something I don't something I'm not upset about. Well, it's very only a few only a few people have voted, but right now, what did you say? What did you say? Seventy percent. I said seventy-five percent. Currently, sixty-eight percent of people have seen mm. *Grave of the Fireflies*, okay. but it's a very small number of voters. It's about two thirds. Out of how many people? It's only twenty-five people have voted so far. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll let it roll, but I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be close to the real number, which makes me happy. But okay, fine. You've seen *Grave of the Fireflies*, but you should go watch another movie, like <laughs> go watch *Only Yesterday*, or if you want to watch something super fun, go watch *Pompoko*. Because it's very fun, yeah. or or my <laughs> or my personal favorite, my neighbor's Yamadas. My neighbor's Yamadas. Yamadas. Yeah, because that movie oh, is so good. It's amazing. So where, where 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 was I in this crazy outline? Um, Takahata describes his relationship with Miyazaki as one of mutual understanding to the point where they can both criticize each other's works openly. We would quote never criticize each other face to face because it would just cause a fight. However. Um, I know he has criticized my work, as he <laughs> says. I don't mind it at all, because that is how our relationship is. We enjoy each other's company without getting into a discussion about our films. That's cool. Yeah. It's like two, sound, it's two like bros. Two, two bros, yeah. Miyazaki is Takahata's kohai. He Aww. is. He is. Factually. Legit. Yeah, yeah. 
That is so funny. This is how I think Miyazaki would sound talking to Takahata. First off, Miyazaki would never ever say Oh, come it. on. <laughs> He'd be like, you see the cigarette? I'm going to put it in your Mits eye. Uh, uh, God, I keep saying Mitsuki. Miyazaki is... Oh, no, you can go ahead. Miyazaki is 100% Sundere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. If you watch that documentary, it's hilarious. <laughs> he is so soon dead. But you can tell that he's got he's he definitely is gonna have a soft spot, you know, for Takahata and everything. Well yeah, it's like Miyazaki hates everybody, but then he's like helping crippled people on the street by his house and all that yeah. in in the documentary. Yeah, it's yeah. it's great in that documentary. He's <laughs> just seems so grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> he's not really the hater that he seems to be. Nah. <laughs> he just I think he has to be that way. It's like it's like it's like when the football coach is coaching all these like like muscle bound like crazy like dudes that are all aggressive. You have to be a tough guy, right? To run to run a tight ship. Mm -hmm. And Miyazaki, that movie has the word madness in the title <laughs> because mm -hmm. that's a tight friggin' ship. Yeah, just like a lot of these anime boy butts. Am I right, Mandy? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Just like all these anime boy butts. They're all tight. They're tight. They are tizzite. And Mandy ships it. <laughs> that's right. Mm -hmm. it's a tight ship. I will say that that all these anime boy butts are very flawed, Mandy. They all have a crack in them. <laughs> what, you're mad because I took your I took your puns from you? What? Uh, what? Because I'm more punny <laughs> than you are, uh, Enzo. Oh, sorry, Kazuo. Oh. <laughs> the look he just came. <laughs> well, I could take off that New York City hat, and I will. And I will. I've known you for how many years? I don't know how and long you, has it been. Like seven. Yeah, and you you're you're confusing me with Enzo. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> or or did I do that on purpose? And the younger one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? He's the, the new one came in. Now he's like out with the old. I don't even know who Enzo. Who is Enzo? You got kicked out. He's already. not here right now. Yeah. Who is he? Yeah, he's out there living his life. I guess. Living his best life. So um, Studio Ghibli, um, we, we already have talked about his studio, the Studio Ghibli works, you know, mm -hmm. that he's done. And they're all great. Except for the My Neighbor the Amadis is a 7.3 on my anime list. Is that a freaking joke? What? Is that a freaking joke? That can't be right. People have the worst taste ever. It is true. It is It is right. Look it up. My Neighbor's Name Honest. 7.3. I was wondering what that note was on our document. It says 7.3 equals joke. I was like, I wonder what that means. I mean, that I'm literally, <laughs> I'm speechless by that. Like, literally, the people, somebody would watch My, My Neighbor's Name Honest, and half the people gave it less than a 7. Wow. Like, what are we doing? You you know literally nothing about anime, the people that voted that. How many votes was that off out of? 10,000. 10,000 of you, 5,000 of you have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, so, so yeah. Um, so, Takahata did Anne of Green Gables. This is all pre-Ghibli. Heidi, Girl of the Alps, Gouch the Cellist, who, which I hear about every once in a while. This, I, I, I'm sorry. I do want to say, though, all of the written reviews on my anime list are nines. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's not. It doesn't look so, like anime does normally. So, the people, the people that actually express their opinions... Or, or at least put some thought into it are giving it very high scores, but it's all the people that are just like lame, 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 lame. Uh, it doesn't have boobs in it. Zero. One, zero. Oh, it's not, it's not about a, it's not a Fujoshi show. One. Hey, first off. What? Just because you like haiku? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And free. <laughs> uh, if he did, he, he directed episodes nine and 10 of Future Boy Conan, which is an amazing movie. I bet you that has a, I bet you that is a, oh, wow. What is that on my I have a mind on my list? A 7.1? What, Future Boy Conan? Yeah. It's probably got no score at all because no one's seen it. I'm going to cry myself to sleep after you tell me. And he did an anime called... 8.13. Okay. It's not okay, bad. Respectable. Well, all right. 
That's that's because that's a Miyazaki anime. Is probably why it has an eight point one. Three thousand leagues in search of Mother Marco from the Anennines to the Andes. That's the name of one of his works, pre Ghibli. Hmm. I don't know what the hell that is, but I haven't seen yeah. I haven't seen his pre Ghibli stuff, and I really want to watch it. It says uh, here on his uh, Wikipedia page that he worked on the original Kitaro, which uh, oh, Gegege no Kitaro. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I did see that. Good. That's a good catch. That's interesting. That he would have been very young when he worked on that though, because that was yeah. Yeah, since 60s. the is it the remake that just came out? Yeah, the remake. Well, yep. Yeah, yep, just came uh-huh. out. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Takahata's signature films all strive to be as realistic as possible, even if they include fantasy elements. This is also from the article. Pompogo, for example, follows a group of raccoon dogs that are trying to save their home, while The Tailor Princess Kaguya is the story of a small princess found in a bamboo tree, and yet Takahata's hands, Takahata's hands their stories take on a sense of realism. Uh, Takata says, quote, I am not a fan of, I am not saying fantasy is bad. I enjoy my, I, I myself enjoy the genre from time to time. However, I don't agree with getting an, an audience excited by seeing a character do something incredible that defies logic. Yeah. So he likes to, um, have his characters be more grounded eh, kind of in reality. Like it talks about how he doesn't like to have, you know, fantasy characters that have like superpowers and stuff like that. You know, so he tries to make them a little more realistic. Quote, too many films these days feature characters who overcome difficulties using nothing more than the power of love and or courage. Yeah, he's keeping it real. I see the I see his point, though. Like, it, yeah, know, it's like the it, good guys win because they're the good guys. It's like, that's nah, not really Deus true. Ex Machina. Yeah, exactly. Type of stuff. So I'm getting close to the end of the outline. Um, he's won like a jillion awards. He won the Purple Ribbon from the Japanese government in 1998. He won the Honorific Legend Leopard Award from at the 62nd Locarno International Film Festival in 2009. Anime Award of Merit in 2010. Rhode Island School of Design in 2012. Honorary degree from uh, Rhode Island. Huh? You just said Rhode Island School, but he had an honorary oh, degree sorry. from them. Yeah. Anime Dior Prize at the Tokyo Anime Award Festival in 2014. The, the honorary award at the age at the Asensi. Asensi International Animation Film Festival in 2014, Officer Decoration in France's Orde des... I can't pronounce France, I'm sorry. Or The Order of Arts and Letters in 2015, the Windsor McKay Award for Lifetime Achievement at the, thir- at the 43rd Annie Awards in 2016. Hmm. So, and of course, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, you guys must go see that. I, I put links to the most of the articles I cited on the doc. So, if you want to like go through and, and read them for yourself. You can get the show notes on our website. So I'm just heartbroken by all this. You know, I, I knew he wasn't going to make another movie. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you just have to prepare yourself for because, you know, a lot of these guys are getting so far up there in years, you know, you can't expect them mm-hmm. to be around forever, but it's always sad to see uh, someone who dedicated their life to an art form and, and, and in a positive way um, to see them go. And so it's, it's, it's difficult, even though inevitable, you know, it's inevitable. Yeah. So I think actually in the documentary, Mandy, don't they, doesn't Toshio Suzuki talk about how he didn't want Takahata to make another movie? Uh, oh shoot. It's, it takes I can't him, remember. it takes him so damn long to do it that they were like, dude, yeah. dude, you cannot do this. You're too old. Because yeah. it, it, what Kagahime was a 10, it was a 10 year long movie. Jeez. Mm-hmm. It's probably why Ghibli does, has wasn't making that much money and on off of their movie releases at the end because, you know, because they're artistic type movies and they're and they're taking ten years to make them. 
So it's costing yeah. tremendous amounts of money. So. All right. So All we right, want to wrap up this main topic. I encourage everybody to go watch one Takahata film you have not seen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't care what it is. It doesn't have to be Grave of the Fireflies, even though we recommended that, because you know, a lot of times people aren't into things that are too heavy or dark. There, But there yeah. are others that you can watch. Pompoko. Pompoko, not At dark. At least watch fun. the Amadas for the grandma, because she's great. Oh, God. My Neighbor <laughs> the Amadas is not an, an, even a bit sad or depressing. It is just a fun, cute movie. Yeah. She's going to go out there and shake up those motorcycle, like, <laughs> cyclists. I love that part. <laughs> oh, I, I love it when she goes by the, the man in, in the beginning of the movie, and she goes... Oh, how lovely. And what what kind is it? And she's talking to this guy in his garden and he goes, Oh, those are Minos Chrysanthemum. <laughs> and she goes, No, I'm talking about the caterpillar. There's like a caterpillar crawling on the floor. Yes, and he gives her that mean look. He's like, and, I, her, and her daughter's like, Sorry, sorry, sorry. She's like, I don't know what, what, what kind of caterpillar it is. <laughs> she's so so hilarious. It's uh, awesome. And, and then yeah. the, in the scene when the when the father and the grandmother are arguing about their house, and he's like, he's like, the house is built on my land. And he's like, well, mother, with all due respect, I built this house with my own two hands. <laughs> and the, and the son comes in and he's like, why are you even arguing? It's all going to be mine anyway. <laughs> it's just or so cute. Or the part cute. with the uh, baseballs with the kids that come up and they're like. Can we have our ball? It fell in your yard. And she brings out two of them. She's like, is it this old one or this new one? And she's like trying to teach them a lesson. They're like, the old one. Like, oh, I'm happy you told the truth and gives both of them. Then these other kids come along and they're like, have you seen our ball? And she just looks so ashamed. She's like, no, I haven't. That's awesome. (laughs) It's just a great great. movie. It's so amazing. And the speech that she gives in the beginning is just, I think it's one of anime's greatest moments. The the wedding speech. Yeah. Uh, Uh It's just incredible. So, okay, I've gone on and on enough. All right, guys. Well, um, we are going to take another news break here. Before we go, we've got another intro weekly trivia question. It's long. It says here. It is a long one. (laughs) The story of Taiko Okajima, a 20-something woman currently working as an office lady for a large company in Tokyo. She decides to take a break from her life in the big city and takes takes a trip out to the countryside to visit her brother-in-law. During her time there, she will have a completely different experience, becoming intimately familiar with her, the hard work of a farmer, while spending time with friendly villagers and family members. The atmosphere will bring back nostalgic memories. She will begin to remember once uh, more her life as a child, puppy love, the awkward stages of adolescence, and the changes of dealing with boys and math class. The time spent away from the everyday grind will make Taeko uh, question the path she has chosen. Name that anime. I'll give you a hint. It's another, it's another Takahata movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. We'll tell you after the break. Be right back. Hey everybody, Mitsuki's back, it's your boy, and it's time for more anime news. Getting us started off, Crunchyroll has announced two more simulcasts for the spring 2018 anime season, those being Major Second and Amanchu Advance. Crunchyroll announced on Friday that they will be simulcasting these anime series, so if you're fans of either of these shows, you probably will be happy to know that you can watch them quite easily on Crunchyroll. So, the plot synopsis for Major Second is that Shigeno Daigo is an elementary school student whose father, Goro, is a professional baseball player 
Inspired by his father, who was once a major league player, Daigo started playing baseball with the Mifune Dolphins, a youth league team. He was unable to live up to the expectations of being the son of a professional, however, and quit baseball after less than a year. Then in the spring of his sixth grade, Daigo's school welcomes a transfer student who just returned from America, who is Sato Hikaru, and turns out that his father is Sato Toshia, who is the close friend of his father, Goro. So, if you are a fan of major or other sports anime, you're going to want to jump on that. And also, there is also Amanchu Advance, that is the story of Kohinata Hikari and Ogi Futaba, who together find joy in many things throughout through scuba diving and, the, and most everyday events. So that sounds like a, a fun comedy slice of life type story. So, if you are a fan of these shows, get them on Crunchyroll. Next up, the 42nd Annual Kodansha Manga Award nominees are, are announced. For Best Shonen Manga, The Heroic Legend of Arslan and Inspector, Cells at Work, Beast Stars, Best Shoujo Manga, Lovesick Ellie, Korewa Kito Koi Janai, Suteki na Kareshi, and Tome no Yari Kago. So if you're a fan of manga, you'll probably want to jump on to the, the web and check out all the other manga that are listed as being award nominees for the 42nd Annual Kodansha Manga Awards. Next up, Welcome to the Ballroom continues its hiatus. It was announced by Monthly Shonen Magazine of Kodansha that it's going to be on hiatus as the manga author has health issues. So the manga's two-month hiatus started in December, and it did not appear in the February and March issues of the magazine. It doesn't look like it's going to be appearing for a while still. However, they don't really know when it's going to be continue, when it's going to come back, but it definitely will not be in the March or the April issue. So we'll see, and uh, if you're fans of Welcome to the Ballroom, please be patient. Next up, High Dive is launching on Apple TV. So it is a streaming service that launched last June after acquiring assets from the previous he- previously held anime network online. So if you're fans of High Dive, and if you have Apple TV, now you the two are coming together, so you will be more easily able to consume and enjoy your anime through High Dive. This was Mitsugi, and this was your anime news break. Now, once again, time to get back to the podcast. Okay, the stars are aligned, and I have all the required materials ready. The night is perfect. All I have to do is light this black candle and... <coughs> Wait, what the... Enzo, what are you doing here? I was looking at this anime retail site before I just ended up here. What are you doing? I'm trying to summon an elder god in the hopes that he'll grant me more hot anime boy figurines. But I have just summoned you by accident. Ugh, that means my entire ritual was a complete failure. I have to start all over. Why would you summon an elder god for something like that? Uh, I don't live in Japan, Enzo. <sighs> There's an easier, safer, and more sane way to go about this. Look at this website. Jlist.com? Yeah. Jlist.com sells all kinds of figures, games, manga, snacks, and other merchandise. They'll even ship it straight from Japan to your doorstep. Hmm. That does seem like a bit safer. Now, can you please promise me you won't try to summon any more Elder Gods? My butt hurts from that fall. I can't make any promises. We have to pay the bills around here somehow. Jlist.com. Selling figurines to save you from possible demonic influence.
And we are back to the 416th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. It's your boy Kazuo with Mitsugi here. And uh, before we went on our break, we asked you an in-show weekly trivia question. Mitsugi, do you want to repeat that for the people? Um, do you want me to read the whole thing again? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, fine. The story of, of Taiko Okajima, a 20-something woman currently working as an office lady for a large company in Tokyo. She decides to take a break from work to visit, uh, to take a trip to the countryside where she visits her brother. And, uh, during the, her time there, she will have a completely different, exper- completely different experience, becoming intimately familiar with the hard work of a farmer, spending time with villagers and family. The atmosphere will bring back nostalgic memories. She will begin to, to remember once more her life as a child, puppy love, the awkward stages of, of adolescence, and the challenges of dealing with boys in math class. The time spent away from the everyday grind will make Taiko question the path she has chosen. And that movie is... Tokyo Ghoul. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it's only yesterday. Yeah, only yesterday. Another Takahata joint. <laughs> All right. So, before we get into our review today, we have a review of ourselves. Really? Ooh. That's right. Can I read? I'm waiting for Mitsuki to play the drop any day now. It's time for iTunes review. Now, of course, if you would like to leave us an iTunes review, you certainly can. Head on over to iTunes. We just passed the 400 mark, which is incredible. We're actually at 404. Podcast, 404. Podcast not found. Oh, snap. 404 iTunes review not found. We are approximately one dozen mm. reviews away from having more reviews than podcast episodes, which is what I wanted all along. Nice. This is all he's ever wanted. All I ever wanted is my life. My whole life. In his whole life. And the whole, my whole life has been culminating to this moment. We wow. must get, Jesus oh my God, Christ, Neil. and Neil the cat mascot has jumped on the table and he's like, well, you know what? I don't care about your mics or your laptops or really anything, really. I'm just going <laughs> to, he just walks right I in have front also of the been, No respect. <laughs> I've also been fighting with my cat this entire like session. He's now on the table and he, I, he wants my laptop because it's warm. Go ahead and lie down. Lie down. I'm just trying to get in my lap there and I keep go. pushing him away. I'm like, Well, no, now there's a cat head down. in the screen. That's actually perfect. Just stay just like that, Neil. Just they just like that. <laughs> Amazing. So good. Well done, Neil. Such a good cat. All right. So, of course, you can head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. If you write us a little message there, we'll read it on the show. Just like Cat Dragon 123 said, Mandy, please read. Cat Dragon 123. I just your, wanted to read it because the name is awesome. Can you please read it in your best Cat Dragon voice? Ooh. What is my Cat Dragon voice? I don't know. Read it like Jigglypuff. Oh, God, this is going to be yes. tough. All right. The whole thing. Wish me luck. Everyone guard your ears. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Can you do mm. this? Okay. I have no idea. I could try. Well. Hi, host. I started around episode around about 394, and I'm already hooked. I oh, God. I find myself constantly checking my podcast for more episodes despite knowing the upload schedule. The community on the Discord and Facebook is fun and well. Salty. Salty to know. That was a work of art. Actually, that was that was Uh pretty amazing. I had to hold my mouth shut. I was busting. Oh my god! That you know what? You know what? Where's my drop? I gotta get. I gotta get. Wait, do you have a Jigglypuff drop? I I I can have ten of them now. She said Jigglypuff at least four (laughs) times already. That's amazing. There you go. Oh there my god, go. it's so cute. I can't <laughs> handle it, guys. It's too cute. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you. Actually, that was Salty that left that review. I guess it's Cat Dragon. Yeah, I love the is, uh, name Cat Dragon. Um, 
Okay, so today we are going to be doing a review of a show that came out a couple seasons ago, and that is uh, Ancient Magus Bride. <laughs> Sorry, like Captain Avatar in the chat said, Neil's giving me the stink eye. Dude, Neil is Neil <laughs> is not one to be trifled with. <laughs> he hated my. Voice. Neil and I had an experience a little while back that left me traumatized. Like I thought we were cool, and then one day he was like, "Nah, man, I'll kill you if I have to." This and I'm cat's like, damn Neil. <laughs> this cat's head is the size of a grapefruit. Legit, like if Neil and I had a, gotten it got into a fight to the death, like I would win, but it, 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 I would lose at the same time. You would have some wounds. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I might lose an eye. I would be wounded. I'd be bleeding. It would not go well. I have a video of him pulling that I took the other, the other night of him pulling chicken breast off the countertop from the floor. <laughs> he just gets on his hind legs, reaches up, and just pulls whatever he wants off. Because he's so damn big. Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Terrifying. He's so fluffy and good. He's a good kitty. And he knows it too. Like yeah. he knows that you know that he could fuck up your day. Well, I know he's sexy as hell. If I was if I was a female kitty, I would totally be after this ass. Mm. Anyway, my Ancient cool. Magus Bride. All right. Yeah. So, Ancient Magus Bride. Uh, so, I'm going to go ahead and uh, hit you guys with, damn it, Mitsuki, stop taking the mouse away from me. I'm just scrolling down. I know, Holy but shit. I need that mouse. Man. I'm trying to update <laughs> shit. <clears throat> All right. God damn it. <laughs> I forgot to update it for the five-star review. There. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. <sighs> Ridiculous. Now, Ancient Magus Bride, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I didn't finish it. How much of it did you watch? I watched <laughs> half of it. Okay. I got halfway through, and well, I was like, <sighs> it's, um, <clears throat> where do I start? All right. Where do you start? I think we should let Mandy so, start. Uh, Oh, okay. well, well, Mandy's well, like, I, I was going to say my piece since I only watched half of it and then I'll let you guys kind of take it. From okay, there. well, go ahead. So here's the thing. Wait. I have oh. been very like anticipating this because I know that I'm a big fan of Mag Ancient Magus Bride, the manga. Yeah. So and I know you guys did not enjoy it as much as I did. So, so OK, so I'll, so I'll try to express myself as accurately as possible. Um, Ancient Magus Bride, for one is a beautiful show. Very. It is insanely gorgeous. It it's is. movie quality. It looks incredible. I don't know if I go that far. Uh, but depends, it's very depends it, on the movie. It looks way better than most anime. It looks very good. It's a very good looking show. Um it's also an interesting premise because it's not something that is tackled a lot in anime, although I do feel like we see it plenty in Western media. Think of uh Beauty and the Beast, you know, a lot of the Disney type shows. Um I feel like this is covered in uh, this this show raised a lot of questions for me about what do I think is more important when reviewing an anime critically? Um, because, as I mentioned, it is so very well animated. It's it's a gorgeous show. It's got a pretty um, kind of unique uh, premise. But my biggest problems with the show are how it tells its story. I appreciate the concept of what they're trying to get across. I appreciate the the characters that they're trying to develop and the and the emotions of the characters and what they're going through. And it's something that's not really touched on a lot. But again, my biggest problem is with how they tell the story. And I think what this show taught me is, or, or, or helped me realize is that for me, when reviewing a show, that is the most important thing is do you successfully tell the story in the best way possible? It could be beautiful. The characters could be unique. You know, you could have all these great things going for it. But if you don't tell your story in the best way possible, 
that to me severely hinders the score of the show and how, how I view the show. And so that's something that I've, I've, I ran into with ancient Magus bride. I feel like it, it had a lot of problems with its pacing, with how it expressed its views and the characters, personality traits and how it just, how it tied everything together, which ultimately for me made the show very hard to watch. It was, it was, it was kind of a labor for me to get through, which is why I only got through half of it. Now, that being said, I only saw half of it. Who knows? It could have completely gone in a different direction in the second half of the show. But that's just kind of like, in short, my view of what I saw in the show. So for me, it's, you know, it's going to it's going to affect people in different ways and everybody's going to have their own opinion on it. But for me personally, trying to be as objective as possible and rate something based on its its ability to tell a story. It didn't do it as well as it should have. Mandy, mm-hmm. we all know that when you eat an Oreo cookie. Yes. Everybody wants the cream in the middle of the cookie. Okay. Kazuo just expressed his opinion. His opinion okay. is one side of the cookie. Mm. Okay. You can be the cream filling. Oh, damn. Oh. Because I know oh, that no. you... I'm the cream. You're the cream. Because I know that you like Ancient Magus Bride. <laughs> and while I, did not, while I did not hate Ancient Magus Bride, I'm not going to like it as much as you did. Yeah. And so yeah, I, will be the, I will be the other cookie. So I would like for mm. you to go next. So that so, you so, can be the cream. Yeah. So basically, uh, no, never mind. No, I'm not going to say it. Go ahead, Mandy. Wow. <laughs> never mind. Oh Forget my it. God. Wait, wait. What were you going to say? No. I have to hear it now. Say it. I was say it. Come on, you pussy. I was going to say cream on us, but that's terrible. Wow. <laughs> it would be better to say. The problem is. You're not a pussy after all. Is this going <laughs> to be the you. drop of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, but I took it back. That's the thing is I realized there was, you know, right. I was like, you know what? This is not good. I shouldn't say this. And I didn't. Don't so worry, I'll, I'll, I'll applaud myself. I'll do the cream for you, I, all right? I'll tell you right now, Mandy, Enzo owes me big because he he laid down some drop material last week that I could have absolutely savaged his life with. Yes. <laughs> he said a couple things. <laughs> I, I remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> and I did not make this into a drop. Mm. So. All righty. Well, to start this off, I'm going to say that um, I, I was already a fan of the manga, the manga, when it first, I actually pre-ordered the first volume, and I had no idea what I was getting into, but it was highly anticipated, and I loved the synopsis of it. I was like, I'm going to try this out. So I pre-ordered it, and I, I do this very often. I get just random manga. But yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. And, and, actually, and, I got like some today. So I, I'm, I'm, I envision your apartment because I know it's like a studio apartment. I envision j- just overflowing boxes of manga <laughs> everywhere. You're not too far off. Anyways, but um, so I pre-ordered it. And ever since then, I've been following it. And I have been highly like anticipating the next volume. And for this anime... It's kind of interesting because for me, I love the pacing of the story. This is my, this was 100% my type of show. Um, I was never bored and I watched it uh, week by week, week by week. And each time I was anticipating the next episode because the first half of the series, uh, one through 12, maybe, maybe a little bit beyond that, it introduces you to this magical world that just, it's, the world that's sitting right underneath your noses because this is set in modern day England and it chose not to take typical like stale RPG style fantasy settings that we see in a lot of uh, anime 
fantasies nowadays. Instead, the it's amazing how much attention to detail the author put into this story because she did a huge amount of research into Celtic, European folklore, and it gave such a much-needed fresh feeling to it. And so every episode, I was waiting to see what kind of more phenomena and beauties that she was going to introduce. And it gave me this sense of, like, wanderlust. And, yeah, just the attention to details that she put in the world also made it feel very familiar, but also surreal at the same time. It's like, I feel like this could be in my world. So, sort of feeling is what it gave me. And it gave you a bit of mystery about wondering, like, what could be out there. And gave you feelings like, I want to explore more. And um, so, yeah, <clears throat> for the first half of the series, you know, you're introduced to Chise and uh, Elias. And Elias. 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 Sorry, I always screw up his name. <laughs> but, um, and on the topic of, like, their relationship, which I'm sure this is going to come up, like, throughout our Oh, story, I hated their but, relationship. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, it, oh, it angered <laughs> no, me so fine. much. He can't help no, himself. No, it's fine, because you're not supposed to. I know, I know. And I get that. They were trying <laughs> to express that these people are so Broken. flawed. Like, yeah, yeah. you know... And I mean, I can only hope that that came to a resolution at the end of the show. But yeah, they were yeah, it does. deeply flawed. And I was very, uh, I don't want to say extremely satisfied by the ending. Because another thing to remember is that the ending, at least the last like four episodes, all the praise I'm going to give this show are up to like um, four-ish episodes to the end. Because that's where the, <clears throat> the anime caught up to the manga. And right now, the manga is, like, the second to last episode, but that came out after the series ended. And they cut out huge chunks of dialogue that explain things. And it's, it, it's clear that she gave them an idea, like, this is how I kind of want it to progress. But they were kind of, like, flustered, like, we don't know what to put to the ending. We, we need to, like, wrap this up. And they cut out, like, dialogue and... Yeah, so up until the four, last four episodes where pacing got insane uh, is where, like, all my praise is going to go, go to. Because I will agree, I did not like the ending. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I thought it was very interesting. You know, you introduced Chise, who is, went through some very emotional, I mean, a very traumatic experience in her life. And she's feeling just incredibly abandoned. And so she decided to put herself into indentured servitude because she wanted to feel um, like she wanted a place to belong. She wanted someone to need her. And so, yeah, right off the bat, she's extremely flawed. And um, she's what's known as a sleigh baggy, which is actually a uh, like European myth, a mythological fairy that's actually like, you know, in the real world myths uh, is a slight baggy. It's a very powerful type of fairy. And so she's not sold as a human. She's sold as this fairy, this magical thing that is going to power up people's spells. People want her. And uh, so it's kind of, it's really weird because I think a lot of synopsis claim it's like slavery, but really isn't it more like indentured servitude though? She chose this life for herself. Because she was never kidnapped or forced into it, correct? You're right, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, and then you met Eli, or Elias, who uh, comes out and just straight up buys her. He's like, 
and and throughout the entire show, Mitsuki you, loved that scene. Did he? Oh, oh yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually uh, am very happy that he came in and didn't like try to barter down her price. Uh, that would have made it feel, I think, more like she was an object. Object instead of just going, no, I want to get her out of here as fast as possible. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm, I have a different opinion on that, but I, I preferred that. And uh, so yeah, throughout the entire show, the you go through Chise's development of trying to uh, find a sense of worth or a sense of like self-respect. Yeah, and she at the beginning has absolutely no self-worth no whatsoever. Self-respect. Yes, and yeah. at least in the beginning, kind of her self-worth comes from the fact that she, or from, it comes from her feeling that she can help Elias or, or be there yes. for Elias and all of her self-worth is in I'm only I'm only worth something because of him because I can be yes. something yeah. for him yeah so like with Elias I think it's interesting because it's clear he didn't buy her out of like a sense of goodness but he also never treats her as a slave he's not like I bought her to force her into doing things except for like the bathing scene but (laughs) that's like the only time where Elias is like does anything that she's not okay with other than that she never like forces her into a situation that's like uh do this for me or else you would be punished sort of way but um and I at the very beginning he encourages her to hold her head up high and breaks her chains. But still, it's a very unequal balance in the very beginning because Chise is so dependent on him, and Elias doesn't have emotions. He is a and she's dropped like hints here and there of what exactly Elias is, if you know anything about like just folklore in general. Yeah. But uh he is not human. Yeah. Oh, entirely. Uh, so, it's possible he was in so, the past. So you but. mentioned that he doesn't have emotions and that she yes. her emotions are very um, subdued because of her lack of self-worth. And I think that was yes. another major problem for me was not mm-hmm. necessarily that the characters were what they were. It's I understand that. I get what you're trying to portray. The problem is that that does not make for a compelling show. When both of your mm-hmm. main characters are completely emotionless, that makes for really boring storytelling. Like you have to have balance. You have to have something that that makes you interested in the characters, you know, and whether that's, you know, comic relief or whether that's other characters to balance them. But when all of your main characters are just monotone and they all talk like this and they're all very boring and they're all very subdued. And none of them have well, emotions. I also didn't watch the English dub, so I don't. I can't say it's terrible. About that. It's I watched terrible. it. Work. I watched. I, <laughs> I watched it in Japanese. The, re, the, the reason that I was able to get through all all, all twenty four episodes of the show was because I watched fourteen of them at work, mm-hmm. dubbed. Yeah. So I, I you know I watched the video when I could, but I listened to a lot of the audio for the first half, and the voice mm-hmm. acting. Whew, the English voice acting is rough. Yeah. How does it? Did you listen to any of the Japanese? Oh, Japanese is eons better. I mean, it's not okay, even good. close. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that's an issue. I don't know. But um, at least for me, I I think 
for the first half of where you're developing Chisei and Elias into people, it, that, that's where they introduce the magical world. And I was very invested into this magical world. I wanted to see more of it. Oh, yeah. It was, a cool, it was a cool world that they built, for sure. Yeah. And it's uh, watching Chisei interact with this world is what sort of gives her, progresses her into realizing that she wants to live. And she's because she's helping people and she's making friends and there are people there. And uh, what I also like about this author is that she is not going to let you forget that she say was purchased. It's not something that you're supposed to just forget about. He, she never she makes sure that you don't like that. You don't want to think she say and Helios are in a good position because they're not. They're in a very unequal relation or like unequal relationship in the beginning. And. I, she constantly reminds you of this because the characters constantly remind you. Uh, like, what's his name? Um, the, some of the other side characters will come up and say, I think his name is Lindell. Uh, he, uh, yeah, Lindell or something. Yeah, the, yeah, they will constantly remind she say, you cannot trust Elias. He is not trustworthy. You should not be putting all of your faith into him. And over time, she realizes this. And... It's where she starts making friends with Stella that she starts to realize that maybe I do want to live in this world. And that's where Elias starts to change, too, because now he is like, well, I uh, am losing her. I'm, he becomes more dependent on her. And what I think was interesting is when, Eli when she say and Elias finally like start to butt heads... Uh, Chisei definitely lets him know you're being a child and you need to stop. <laughs> and that's where it changes from like a father-daughter type relationship into a mother-son relationship. And I thought that was very interesting. When would you say that happens? Balance. Um, About a little, I'd say around, around the halfway point. Okay, so probably right after I stopped watching. <laughs> maybe 14? Episode 14-ish, mm, okay. maybe? Well, he acts like a little kid for a lot of the show. Oh, like, sure, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, yes, like, oh. because Elias is very naive he's very much a child and people even point that out that like she chisa even points out Elias is a child he needs to be taught and he at one point said calls her his teacher he's like i'm happy that you you could teach me these things and i'm looking forward to learning more because uh there's this one part where he's upset like he's just lashing out he's like i don't know what this is and she's like that's jealousy and he's like oh is that what jealousy is? And so this is where they start taking a more mother-daughter relationship. And so the balance is starting to tilt, where they're teaching each other and they're learning more about uh, emotions and overcoming their emotional wounds. And it goes all the way up to the point where, where finally Elias has crossed the line and she say straight up punches him yeah and i don't want to i don't want to spoil too much that's at the end and that yeah that's where chisei finally takes control and she like from the very beginning it goes from chisei saying i i just need him i need elias I, you know i don't care if he throws me away i just need to be of use to him to her just straight up leaving him she punches him in the face and leaves and that's where like i love the like and it wasn't straight away because i feel like people who go through abandonment issues and have social anxieties may be pulled out a bit if she changed straight off the bat i felt like it was a very realistic progression for me like where you're watching chisei grow around this beautiful magical world and it's very slow 
at like her development and i felt i don't know for me i wanted i was i love the pacing of the story personally i don't know but um yeah i was always like excited to see where chise was going to go and it had a very i don't know the ending i felt was a bit forced i don't know if should i spoil the ending i don't think it's i don't think it's not to. really worth spoiling Okay. I mean, personally, I, I don't think so. I was confused as hell by the ending anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, but the very end of the story, I'll say that they are in a far more equal position. And they talk and they come to an understanding. And I I appreciated that. And especially since at the very beginning, Elias, you know, not knowing anything about humans, he is mimicking everything that he knows because... In this world that they're in, mages are very rare and they have very long lifespans. So it is very common for mages to marry their apprentices. It's just a thing that happens. And he doesn't know what that means, though. So he's just like, you're going to be my bride. But at the end of it, it's actually Chise who initiates it. And I love that, personally. She's like, she took, she went from being very passive to taking a more active role. And I don't know. I, I loved her progression towards throughout the entire story. Okay. <clears throat> I'll, be, I'll be on the other side of the cookie. Other now. side of the cookie. I definitely don't think my thoughts are as organized. <laughs> um, the dub was horrible. I'll say that. It was, ugh, especially Chise. Was her voice was just. I, yeah, I listened t- to horrific. a clip of it. And I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who do like it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It just for me personally, I just didn't enjoy it. But yeah, I don't. Okay. Well, that aside, I don't really, I don't really count the dub as a factor when reviewing these shows because as far as I care, they don't even exist because right. the show wasn't ever intended to be in English. So right. Right. Anyway, so my, the good things about the show for me are that it has go it has good world, world building. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a sense for like the world and all the different types of creatures that are in it and all the magic. And I think that that has value, you know, and I think that that takes time to develop. So I think that they, they spent most of the first half of the show doing that and, and they did a pretty good job of it. I wouldn't call it like 12 kingdoms level, or I wouldn't call it, you know, some other anime that we've watched lately. There was another anime we watched recently that had like, had tremendous world building in it. Children of the whales. Yes, oh, that yeah. was a tr- yeah. I don't. I don't think it was quite that level, and I don't think it was quite made in abyss. But this—that's where I'm sorry to cut you off. It was just my train of thought because I was thinking about Children of the Whales. It's so interesting because in Children of the Whales, my opinion on that was that the characters were very flat. So it's kind of interesting that I love the characters in this one because they had such like a, like I thought they had a really good background to them. But you guys enjoyed the Children of the Whales. Characters I'm just talking about more. the world building. Only. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Cool. So I thought the Magus Bride did a good job, a good job of world building. It wasn't the best example of it I've seen lately, but I thought it did a good job of it. It, it was beautiful, no doubt. Um, very beautiful. the the art The art is very crisp. I will, I will say mm-hmm. in it for sure. The music at is at least good. the last few episodes. The music's pretty great. There it, were a couple of yeah. scenes. Um, like I remember the scene where uh, Lindell or whatever his name was was singing. Oh my god, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that scene yeah. and the, the music in that was incredible. The uh, the opening theme song is really good, but the first like uh, like five seconds of it really irritate me. Mm-hmm. The ta 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 like that 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 little like phrase they say just irritates the shit out of me. I wish they would just <laughs> delete that and just start after it. 
regardless. And so for me, for me, this show, it was, it was an okay show, but the problems I have are, they're difficult to overcome in my mind. For one thing, I was bored almost the entire time from start to finish. From the very first moment, I was for the, I would say maybe not the first episode, but from, but after the first episode, I was bored. Um, and that's because I found that the story was a little disjointed and hard to follow. And I found myself wondering like, what is the point of it all? And then ultimately after thinking about it, you know, it's just really a story that's about these characters and this, and the real conflict of the story takes place inside their minds. Mm -hmm. And it's more about them. It's more about, it's a people story than more than it is anything else. But the problem for me is that I don't find the people interesting. I don't find Chise interesting at all. And I don't find Elias interesting even remotely. And and I, Elias gets the same problem for me that I had from the Overlord guy. And that's that I don't really want to stare at a dead animal head for 24 episodes. I thought he looked cool as shit. I loved him. I mean, it's not that he didn't look cool necessarily, but he's just, I just not, a dead, not connecting with this character at all. Well, he has no facial expressions or anything like that. You're just looking at a still image of a head, you know, of a skull the entire time. I, I can understand that. It's hard to relate to. And so, like, yeah, the conflict of the show is very soft for me. Like, the conflict is she isn't really a complete person. She doesn't have self-esteem. She doesn't, she just, she's such a, she's such a bad off person that, like, she just wants to be, like, needed somewhere, you know, even if she just used as a tool or something. She just needs to be somewhere. And, like, to me, like, those are fine, but I'd rather have those in addition to an actual, like, concrete conflict. Like, maybe the conflict is... Um, I don't know, war or something, or, you know, a lot of shows have, have a conflict, right? You need violence. I don't need violence. I need a like, conflict. I need the literary, the, li the literary device that virtually all, st all stories have, which is a conflict. And I'm looking for this conflict and I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, and I'm at like episode 12 and I'm like, I'm realizing this show doesn't really have one. And then I'm like, Oh, it kind of does. It's about, it's really about Chise and Elias as people or whatever. But like to me, that's not good enough. Like I'm not interested in stories like that. Yeah. It's not. It, it might it might have worked as a, as a twelve episode show, but like just like watching these two characters sort of change mentally over the course of twenty four episodes isn't enough to keep me interested. And the plot line is everywhere. One episode they're like getting a wand in the dragon land. And the next episode there's a guy trying to kill this dude's wife. And the next episode they're trying to fight this guy in a graveyard. The next episode, they're back at the house. And I'm just like, it's, it's very like all over the place. And, and like, so it, it just didn't flow right for me. Like I just did, I mean, maybe it's, maybe I just, you know, maybe I just, it's just not the show for me or maybe I'm losing my touch or something, but. You don't enjoy Slice of Life? Not really. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I love Slice of Life. And I think it's just interesting to see this world. And I yeah. wanted to just see, Explore it. See, and, see, uh, I do love slice. I, I mean, I don't know how it's. I love slice of life, but there are quite a few slice of life shows I really like. But, so but for me, my main issue was, again, with the way they told the story. It was, it was not compelling. See, see like for me, me, for me, I have trouble calling this slice of life because mm -hmm. I don't think this resembles life. They're not people. I mean, Elias is a flat out like fey monster. He's not even a human. Um, nothing in the show is set in reality. It's full of, uh, full of succubuses and dragons and Leanne and Sidhis or whatever and fairies and shit. And like, that's not life. Like that's not, that's like a, that's like fantasy life. So like when I hear slice of life, I think 
you know, uh, Shiro, um, Shiro Bako or, or Hanasaku Iroha, like a real person. I think you can have fantasy slice of lives. Uh, it's just like just witnessing a part of somebody's life. You're not, there's not technically, you can say you that about any, like a, but you can say that about any story ever. Like, all right, like, mm-hmm. just like, uh, but you can't have fantasy. Like, for example, elements? um, no, I mean, he's saying that with, with that definition, you could say that about literally anything like made in abyss slice of life. It's yeah. about these people's lives. Dragon Ball Z. It's a slice Dragon of life. Ball Z, it's about their life. life. <laughs> like slice of life is Tokyo. This kid goes, it's like this, you're watching some, someone, uh, you're watching a show that's about literally reality, uh, a world that is exactly like yours that lets you look at a character who's having a problem and connect with their problem as it's set in, in a world that is completely realistic. Because, I mean, if, if Ancient Magus Bride's a slice of life... Then everything is. Then everything is, flat out, everything. I mean, um, uh, Madoka Magica's slice of life, because they're people that live. So, is this listed as a slice of life online? I doubt it. It is listed as slice of... See, I, I just really don't know. Slice of life, I don't know what that means anymore. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Language what does that mean also- then? I have no idea. So, but Mandy, do you understand that though? Like if this is slice of life, then what does that even mean? It's also listed as shonen, which is, is this a shonen anime? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Fuck when? It was in a shonen magazine. (laughs) Okay. It originally published in a shonen. Yeah. But like men for like six year old boys. I mean, that's the definition. That's what shonen is. It's for like, like for like pre people, like, like kids that are younger than like 14, I'd say. Death Note was also uh, shonen. No. Well, okay. but then, but so the question then is that I mean that's a legit question though. Like, if this is slice of life, then is everything slice of life? Like, where where's uh, what is the difference? I think slice of life is more like just the mundane life of a person. But they're not just people. Like you're seeing, witnessing a well. None, no one in the show is a person. Even even Chise is not a human. She's a, a sleigh baggy. She's a fairy. Okay, a, a being, a mundane experience of a being, and the, a look into their everyday life. Anyway, that That's aside. What I assume Slice of Life is. That aside, like, I actually don't hate Slice of Life. I, I like some of them. I kind of suck Itoha, I really like. I like Shiro Bako. I, I, like, I didn't hate Barakamon. Like, those are Slice of Life that I like. But the, there are other problems in the show. Like, I don't like the way that she is treated as a person throughout the show. Like he, he, the way he speaks about her kind of negates all the, all the positive things people would say. Like even all, even all the way to the end, like the verbiage he uses when he talks to her makes her feel like she's just like this item in her, in his house. Like I bought you for this reason, or, you know, you are, you are, you know, since the day that I bought you at the auction and all this, and I'm just like, okay, well, great. Well, you know, you, we're, we're supposed to be like developing like this relationship. But then he talks about her like she's a, like she's a, a flower pot in like the garden and the bathing scene was hideously awkward. You know, if people aren't going to complain about that, but they'll complain about all kinds of other stuff like sociopolitically, then what are we doing? Like you're going to force a girl to take a bath with you. Like that's about as close to like inappropriate as anything could be. They didn't take a bath together. No, but he bathed her. Like he stripped her naked. He dumped her in a bathtub and left. You know, the, you know, those scenes where like, where they're in like a, where they're in like a prison and they like take their clothes off and spray them and throw lime on them and Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever they throw on them to disinfect them. Mm -hmm. I just see like, they didn't show the scene in the anime, which I'm thankful for, but like he basically took her into the bathroom against her will because she's not wanting to stripped her butt naked and forced her to be naked in front of him. And that is like a social affront. It is to me. I know it's a fantasy anime. So like, no, it's not. It's a slice of life, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> Just trolling you. I get it. But like, 
I, I but like I don't want people to, you know, if people don't get up in arms about that, then we're really being choosy. Because I mean, maybe it's just because it's not set in reality. But like, you can't have a. If this was a show that was set in Tokyo and a guy took a younger, took a yeah, much younger girl, Mitzi, stripped her naked. You forget though, he's dreamy. He's he's a skull head. I know, but I don't know. Dreamy girls like that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I'm. I mean. I'm so confused. That's part by of it. That. There's a romantic uh, aspect to his character. If this was a show about a guy who's like 70 or whatever, he's old, right? I don't know how old he is. He's like hundreds of years old. All right, so we'll call him 60 because like humans can't be hundreds. So like, it, it, if a 60 year old guy took a 13 year old girl into a bathroom, stripped her naked against her will, people would be outraged by that. That's exactly what happened in Magus Bride, to a T. She's even like saying, "Please no, don't." I, I and then she's and then she complains about it and as she's even in the bathtub naked while he walks away now i don't really care that much i'm just saying this because you know I'm, people complain all the time about everything under the sun so mm-hmm. you know it seems like this kind of fits in that category but um so yeah there is that but like you know the way that he talks about her throughout the course of the show it, it is a little it's not it's not uncomfortable for me but in a show where they're supposed to be like developing their relationship and maybe like finding a way to coexist or whatever like, I don't think you got to be talking to her like that is just the way I feel about it. Um, I don't know. I think you guys pretty much covered everything else. I think the ending was uh, a little odd. Like, I, I was watching the ending this morning, and I can't, I couldn't follow it. I, have, I, don't, yeah. I, I actually don't know what happened. It does happened. get disjointed towards the end because I, they took out giant chunks of text. And unless you know the actual lore, the European lore behind Cardophilus, it, it's very hard to follow. Oh, the other thing that this anime does that really frustrated me a lot was that the show is, it's clearly a serious anime. That's how I feel about it. It's a serious anime about people with serious problems. Yes. But the characters do that anime thing. And I know this is like, oh, don't talk about anime like that because you hate, you're an anime hater. But like, you know, that anime thing where like the characters will magically turn chibi and they'll flail their arms and their arms will just like turn into blurs and they'll, yeah. and then like, and then like a guy character will come in and he'll act like no human being ever acted ever. Like, you know, he'll be like, oh, when are you getting married and all this? And he's just like, like, you know, acting just like a, like a, like a weirdo, you know, a lot of the way that some anime characters do. They, this anime goes back and forth into that a lot. Yeah, it goes from like real seriousness to just to, absurdism. To like chibi flailing around and like have one or the other. Like I can't have a serious conversation about a girl who's like com- com- clearly traumatized by her past or whatever. And then like completely unserious out of nowhere. And I really didn't appreciate that. And actually, I don't want to see that in anime ever because I, I just I don't I don't I don't relate to that anymore. I don't I don't. I think a lot of that has to do with it being in a shonen magazine because I believe in an interview be. she said that they asked her to tone it down because of the magazine she was in. I think that's probably likely, but I still didn't enjoy that. Um, yeah. If I'm watching, no, a, I agree. I didn't if, like it either. Like if I, if I'm watching Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which I will be watching soon a serious show about intergalactic war. I don't expect a character in the middle of, and this happens in Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I'll be so pissed. I haven't seen it yet. But in the middle of a war room meeting where they're like sliding pieces around on their map or whatever, which I love. I love those types of scenes. I don't want one of the characters to (laughs) suddenly turn into a chibi and like run around the room 45 times and like do a headstand and and spin in a circle and and explode. Like I don't want that. I don't want this to turn into kill a kill. Yeah. You know, like I don't want that in my Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I didn't have it in my monster. And I didn't want it in Magus Bride, but it's in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, and I don't actually understand how this is shown in anime. That's a great that, in the magazine. Yeah, but so there's no way magazine. in the name of yeah, but, but, there's no way in hell a twelve year old boy is gonna understand what abandonment is. 
he may experience it, but he doesn't understand so here's, it. Here's the question then, Mandy, because I, I hear you saying mm-hmm. like, cause it was in the Shonen magazine. So is Shonen simply something that's in a Shonen magazine or does it, is, is, does Shonen have a definition? Well, if she wanted it to be in the magazine, she had to make it a certain way. Right, but... but <laughs> That's d- just how it works. <laughs> no, no, no. I get what you're saying, but I, what I'm trying to express is that shonen, like the, 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 the style of an anime called shonen, is, is a specific style. Like, it's a show up, about or for young boys. That's the definition of the word shonen. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that this is a show about or for young boys? Uh, I mean, I... I understand why they had to make certain artistic choices because that's what they were forced to do. But I wouldn't say that the story itself is a shonen. I, now. I would have said Jose for sure, one hundred percent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think by definition it's a Jose, which yeah. is odd that they're calling it a shonen simply because it was put in a shonen magazine, even though it's not shonen at all. I, I don't know why a shonen magazine would want this. But then it's like then we get really weird with these definitions. That's like slice of life. It's like okay, slice of slice of life is could it be fantasy? Could it be like it's your there are these definitions that are that they they have definitions of them, but then we're just kind of like going off and saying, well, I mean, it's like you know, it's shonen because it was in a shonen magazine. Well, but no, but that's not shonen though. Anyway, I don't know. It's weird. Um, the the show. My final thought on the show is that I actually think it's a good show. I just think it's not for me. Um, I do like I do like mythology. I like seeing these these monsters that I that I know from Shin Megami Tensei and all that. Like you know, I recognize every single one of them. I know Titania. I know Oberon. I know I can't pronounce it, but I know what a Lien and Sid he is or whatever the hell. Like I can't pronounce that, but I know what it is. I know what all these monsters are, and I like that. But ultimately, I need a conflict and, and an external conflict. And if I don't care about the characters in the show, and I truly I I mean it when I say I do not care, like. I just don't. Um, then, if the conflict is the characters' like mental state or their develop or their mental development, then I'm then the anime is lost to me. But I can see how people would love the hell out of this show because it's beautiful. It sounds great. It's got lovey shit in it. It's got magic. So yeah, I get it. And so I'm just gonna score it. I'm gonna give it probably a lower score than most people would want, um, which is uh, three time three. Um, Three three additional episodes that I wish the Leanne and City was in out of five, <laughs> and I wanted more of their story because it's like very romantic and like lovey. I would have much. Yeah. I would honestly. I would much rather have this anime be about those two. Wait, who were those two? The sick man who saw saw the Leanne and Sidhi in the garden, and for like a blink, but she can't really see her because she's a spirit. Was or this in the first half of the season? Uh huh. The the gorgeous blonde woman. Oh, okay. Who who man who meets eyes with the man in the garden? Yes. And even though he's only seen her once, they're in love with each other. Okay, yeah. That is so romantic. Like mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. much rather have had this anime be about that. Or please, please make an OVA about this. And also those. because the nature of her being, she sucks the life out of him, even though she's not oh, trying yeah. to. Yeah, it's very like yeah. that is a, that's, right. That's compelling. That's compelling. I mean, yeah. yeah, Jinx, that's compelling. I want that. I want more of that. <laughs> No, I mean, plus, man, that that anime character was blazing hot. <laughs> I mean, blazing. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's I, you're not going to score, right? Cosmo? No, no, I'm not going to score it. Okay. I mean, if I was going to score the first half of the show as objectively as possible, uh, based on my criteria for what is and is not a good anime, I would have to give this uh, like a three and a half, uh, and that's me being trying to be nice. Be under uh, realizing that this is something that's not necessarily for me, 
but and appreciating the fact that it is well animated and has a lot going for it, even though the characters are, in my opinion, poorly written. But again, we're not counting that score, but that's what I would give it. Well, I've already said most of what I want to say. I I enjoy the hell out of it because I'm, I'm still following the manga and I'll still keep collecting them. And I'm very curious to see where it goes because I did not enjoy where it ended. And I feel like it was very rushed and they were just trying to scramble to put an ending to it without knowing if it's going to get another season. So... And it's really hard because I wish I could take that part out because it would get a much higher score from me. But unfortunately, I can't ignore the last four episodes. And uh, But overall, I love the magical world of it. I am more tolerant of Slice of Life. It's one of my favorite genres. So I like just watching a moment in somebody's life and seeing and exploring all the magical creatures within it. And she props to her for putting a huge amount of research into the world because there are like myths that I have never seen portrayed before, it, at least in anime. Like the Winter Gods with the Holly King and uh, the um, goddess that he's, she's carrying who gives birth to spring. It was fantastic. Like, uh, being a fantasy nerd, uh, I would highly recommend this to anybody who else who also enjoys like European folklore. Um, I also just want to say that I will recommend this to anybody who has an interest in Natsume Eugene Show because there are a ton of similarities between them. Uh, Natsume takes a more like I want to say uh, gentle approach to the topic of loneliness, but there are tons of similarities to draw between the two. So, but overall, I would would love to give it a higher score but i'm gonna give it a four because the ending yeah hurt me but yeah i don't know i i love it okay and that's where i'm at <laughs> so what is that rounds out to a three and a half yeah all right i wanted to like it more yeah i mean it's uh i, I feel like a lot of your issues were that it just i mean you had some some objective issues but also just that it wasn't for you I, I think i'm really I'm, I'm reviewing anime nowadays by how much i enjoyed them yeah see i try to review it by Kind of like, I try to be as objective as possible, yeah. even though that's impossible. I'm taking a break from that. You know? You know, like, I, like, critically, this is a better show than, in, than Inuyashiki. But mm-hmm. Inuyashiki, way more enjoyable to watch for me. Oh, uh, yeah. So, that, that. I was the opposite. <laughs> and uh, I respect your opinion, Mandy. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I respect yours. Thank on you. that note. On that note, are, are we moving on? Yes, it is time. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, bag, bag. Oh, yeah. Of course, if you want to leave us a mailbag. That's your coochie goose. What? The oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Uh, If you want to leave us a mailbag, you can head over to aapodcast.com and click on the mailbag button at the top of the page. Just like... Repentant Reprise did. Let me read this one because it's like super long and have at it. Hello, AAA crew. I was wondering what makes Symphogear. Oh, okay. Symphogear oh. is so bad. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Here we go. And we're already going to be the longest gonna, podcast it's ever. It's going to be my time. Even though it sells exceptionally well, since the series began, the franchise has been increasing per season in Blu-ray, in, 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 uh, Blu-ray disc sales as well as character CDs. 
Started out selling only 5,000 copies in its debut for AXZ in 2017. It topped Attack on Titan. Symphogear sold 16,000 Blu-ray copies, topping the charts with Awadi Monogatari Season 2 and Idolmaster. While Attack on Titan sold only 7,000. Not to mention that Symphogear sold around 50,000 copies of their character CDs. What makes an unpopular series like Symphogear more successful than an insanely popular franchise like Attack on Titan? I get manga, se- manga sells might attribute to its success, but, but, but Blu-ray discs are expensive as hell. That should be the bulk of their money. My love and hype for the show is definitely fanboy level, so I hope all of you can help me objectively criticize and analyze the show. Oh, oh God. Huh. <sighs> you know, repentant reprise. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be as nice as possible. Let me just say my piece first, because you're going to be long-winded. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you're literally th- frothing. All right. All right. Go like, ahead, because like, I've like, never wipe seen Symphogear. So it's not a bad show. Okay, I've seen every season. It's not a bad show, Kazuo. It's I've seen every season of it. So have I think I. it's consistently average to maybe slightly above average at best. Oh. But the reason why this show is so popular and drives sales like whoa is because it's because this show is about is Nana Mizuki. She's she's the main character's voice, one of them, mm-hmm. and she does practically all the music for every mm-hmm. season. So, it's not that shocking that like a a 25x top 10 Oricon single pop star, you know, that is also a voice actress is going to make a show popular because every single one of her fans is following the show. Right. So that's my answer. I don't think it's a terrible show. I think it's, I think it's Mm. consistently, it's, it's an average show with slightly above average action. Now you can go talk for 40 minutes. Simpho gear. (laughs) Oh God. And I, and again, I've seen every single season. I've seen Symphogear, I've seen Symphogear G, I've seen Symphogear GX, I've seen Symphogear AXZ. And they're making another one. I'll probably see that one too because I hate myself. <laughs> Why do you keep watching them if you like them so because much? Because you keep passing you them. them. Well, you know, well, you, know, you didn't watch Magus Bride. That's true. So, I guess you do like it. No. Symphogear, and I want to be very clear about this, very transparent. Oh my god. Very above the board. I, I need some music. Wait a second, I got some music. And forthcoming. Okay. Well, I'm waiting for you to play the music. Symphogear has never, ever, ever been good. It has always been at least bad. All right, at it's least bad. At least bad. Oh my at the god! Least. It's not. It's even not, the original. Even the original. Wow. The original I gave a slightly higher score just because it was the original. But everything else from that on my enemy list has gotten a four. <laughs> a four. It is. It's. I mean, it's just. It's. It's. It's trash. It's. I guess pretty girls and pop music, and then they fight monsters, but it's the same crap over and over again. Literally, each season of Symphogear is the same exact thing. Same exact story. It is. At the beginning of the season, you have two girls that are the bad ones, and then they fight a bunch, and at the end, they become the good ones. And it's like, who gives a crap? The show is not... Look, I get it. If, if it's something that you know, you're know you into, and you're like, oh, this is just something fun that I watch because I like cute girls and shitty shows, that's fine. But it is by no means a good show. Do you, want, do you want to wear the Pope hat? No, I'm good. Okay, good, because you couldn't wear it anyway. Yeah, I don't want to. But yeah, Simpho Gear. If you like it, you like it. That's fine, whatever. You know, I like shitty things too, like Mitsugi. Uh, but. Wait, I'm shitty, or, 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 or I also like shitty things? I, I haven't seen Simpho Gear. You're not missing much. You will soon when okay. it comes out in the summer, because you know damn well okay. it's going to come out in the summer. I'll Every summer. It. Every summer. I am willing to give up. everything a And chance. Mitsugi's going to pass it again. Well, that, that, <laughs> if I do, it's because there's nothing else to... Listen, every studio l- blew their load on the spring season. 
So you know there's going to be terrible anime in the summer. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. Next mailbag? All right. Next mailbag. Let's make these next few fast if we comes can. Comes from our frequent writer inner, Yotaru Vegeta. Uh-huh. He says, I'm old, so I need to know, is Utena the ultimate lesbian anime? In my experience, nothing's come close. Even though Utena isn't explicitly a lesbian story, I think both Kazuo and Chiaki would agree that Yurikuma Arashi doesn't measure up to it. Well, well, that's for sure. 100%. You want to talk about shitty shows? Mitsuki, hit the music. <laughs> Yurikuma Arashi. Oh, my God. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go off. <laughs> but, yeah. No. no. <laughs> but, yeah, Yurikuma Arashi. I hated that show so much. It was so... I also haven't seen that show. I'm so sorry. Yurikuma. I You're not it. missing out. Listen, I just, I just okay. answered. It's probably the best. If it is, if it, if, if Utena is a lesbian anime, it's probably the best one. Next, next mailbag. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, I mean, Iradius. Can we read it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. Iradius <laughs> writes, "Hi, hey, a uh, host. Are there any anime openings that you have really loved? However, you hate it or dislike the anime itself, or vice versa. Thank you for making my job bearable." Uh, mm. I said, um, "This is me personally. I did not enjoy Koito Uso, but I love the opening to it." Like, it's so catchy. How about this one? Do you, do, do, do you remember this one, oh, Cosmo? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, classic. Wait, 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 here it comes. <laughs> Anyway, right. mo Most Dangerous Geist has amazing music. Yeah. But it really does. It's also an amazing show. It is. <laughs> it's, it's one of the goats. In its own way. Bah. For me, uh, something, the first thing that comes to mind is Dimension W. That opening theme song was fire. I didn't like it. And I don't like the term fire either. But, well. I'm too old for that. No, you're, you're, I'm too you, I'm That's not. like the OP for Xenosaga. I did not enjoy the anime, but I thought the opening was like. I, I remember it being pretty epic, the music to it. You play it, the, it was. Uh, um, it didn't have any lyrics to it, but. You, you, did you play the game vocals. Xenosaga? Yes, I did. Because the first one was good, real good. You, I think you mean I watched the games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that anime got cut short. It was, it was supposed to be seven games. It got cut Good short. Lord. Uh huh. Anybody else? Well, was that the worst game when it came to like length of cutscenes? What was worse, Xeno Saga? Yes. Metal Gear Solid Five. No. Or no, was it five or four? Xenosaga was by far the the longest. Gosh, Xenosaga. Some, some, some what other ones had really long Listen, cut there was scenes. a cutscene in Xenosaga that was 80 minutes. Yeah. Final uh, Fantasy, was it 13 had the really long ones? I don't... Uh, I, I think Xenosaga. Xenosagas were so long that, that one of them had two save points in the middle of the cutscene. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be like, here, walk from point A to B. There you go. Now here's another two-hour cutscene. I'm like... Damn it. Oh my god. <laughs> but hey, that anime looked pretty. Or that game looked pretty. Yeah, though. yeah, it did. Alright. Yep. Next up, we got a mailbag from Craftamus. Mitsuki, wanna read that one? If you magically had time to watch exactly one series, regardless of length, what would it be? Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Ooh. Same. The original. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I don't know if you know what? I, I magically just had all the time in the world and it was like, yeah, you can watch this whole thing. Mm. I want to say one piece. 
But the thing is, it never Me ends. Me too. I've never watched One Piece. So I'm like, I'm too intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Like if I just, if I was in a the spirit time chamber from Dragon Ball, I would, I would watch One Piece. Wow. I think you would be. I'm not a massive fan of Shonen shows, but. Well, you uh, just watched yeah. one. Just because I feel like there's, a, there's a, there's a large part of life that Dang I missed it. out on. I just, got, I just got her good. Did you hear oh, that? Yeah, I heard that. That was good. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I thought you uh, looked Look, shonen. I didn't say it was a shonen. It's labeled as one. It's not my I'm fault. Just, I'm just saying. You said it was a shonen. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I'm just saying it's in the magazine. You said it was a shonen look. slice of life. That's exactly what you said. Look. Okay. It's about this a young just, boy just, living uh, in Tokyo. Who wants to do the we closing? You. Uh, Enzo, you want to do the closing? <laughs> Ancient Magusbride is a show about a young boy living in Tokyo and his in his day to day life. Oh, here comes the cat to ruin our table. Oh God! Oh, he's staring at me. <laughs> too. He looks Why like, are you staring at me? He wants to eat you. I you scare me so much. Look at his chest. Look, look at his chest fluff. It's he pretty, keeps like giving me the mean eye. He's magnificent. Yeah, he. He's getting you for me. Yo, why are you staring at me? Now? All right, lead us out while I play. While, while, while I play empty geist for All right, you. Go ahead. All right, go ahead. All right, here we go. All right, there we go. Yeah, mm, feel it. All right, thank you guys so much for tuning in and hanging out with us for another exciting episode. Of course, you can find us anytime on our website aapodcast.com. Go to aapodcast.com/slash/join to create an account and sign up for additional episodes. Of course, you can also head over to facebook.com slash groups slash AA podcast. And from there, you can gain access to the Discord server where we just uh, have a good old time, do watch parties, uh, manga book reading club things for nerds, and all yeah. kinds of other great stuff. Yep. Someone never joins. And don't forget, <laughs> and don't forget, pretty much any payment method you could possibly use on the website is now available. So if you were, if you were shut out before because you didn't have PayPal, now you can join. That's right. So thanks again for tuning in. And now we love en- you all. enjoy this hot track. Yeah. Dangerous, most dangerous. Dangerous, most dangerous.
se horo no va 